Ladies and gentlemen, boys and dude racks, you are, of course, listening to the man Charlian Candidate, where two fully grown men act their shoe size and not their age. My name is Captain G-Man, and sitting across from me is the ever-irrepressible P-Boss. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, hey, hey. What do you have to do? To become an admiral in this system, do you think? Because, oh, you know, just time. You yeah. got to wait. Yeah, you know, yeah. You got to you got to do some really good deeds. Actually, ah, save someone from a burning building and really blah blah blah. We've done that. Yeah. yeah. We did that last summer. It was a hell of a time in San Francisco, though, wasn't it? it I, I, I probably should point out they were very surprised because, A, the building wasn't burning, and, B, they didn't need to be quote-unquote saved. <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah. I know. The screaming will never uh, <laughs> leave me, unfortunately. I'm sorry about that, You Mrs. can Marvis. still hear the screams of the lambs, can't you, Clarice? <laughs> well, you are, of course, listening to the Manchaldian Candidate upon any sort of platform that you wish to listen upon. Thanks very much for listening today, and thanks very much for liking us on the FB page. We're getting a bunch of hits, and it's very lovely. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, we're going to jump in today. We've got a, a really lovely little show. We're going to jump, aren't we? We are. Yeah. Um, face first. Um, we're going to be discussing certain things as um, mismanaged franchise, or would you like franchise with that? And <laughs> we're going to be looking at certain franchise, i.e. movie, television, or potentially video games, yeah. and discuss... Certain series that we feel have been, in fact, mismanaged and driven into the ground, and we don't really enjoy them as much as we think that we should in this day and age. That's right. And there's kind of a varying scale, I reckon, in this discussion. So it might go as far as one end of the extreme of this This could be re- viewed as a franchise killer. So we might mention movies that effectively destroyed a franchise. Um, or we might just be talking about stuff that doesn't really make sense on Planet Manchild. Um, and I'm really curious about this, brother, because this is another episode that kind of generically grew out of uh, ramblings and rants on previous episodes. So it's lovely to, uh, you know, pull uh, drain drain this uh, essence out of uh, some of our previous gelflings and just see where we can <laughs> go with it. Yeah, I reckon you're right, man. And it's um, I like the organic nature of it. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. And I think many of the listeners who've been listening since the very beginning will have heard that halfway through. It's like, oh, gee, that's a good idea for a show. <laughs> Two shows later, there's that idea as an actual show. Yeah. So um, any contributions to on the Facebooks or any other forums would be great. Something you might like for us to explore. And w- we actually have had a few questions and a few ideas, and we will endeavour to get around to <laughs> answering, interacting. Um, yeah, so keep them coming because there's some good ideas there where, uh, you know, we're just intermittently lazy, let's just be honest. Some people try intermittent fasting. I try intermittent laziness, you know. <laughs> it's kind of my Look, thing. Hell. Seems to be working for you, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so look, let's kick this little uh, this little wagon off down the hill. Kick the mule, bro. I'd like to open immediately with uh, a franchise and a series of movies and other pop culture wow. that I feel has uh, really gone quite wayward and lost its way along the path through Mirkwood. That is not a hint, <laughs> saying Mirkwood, by the way, of what? what I'm about to talk about. But the series, the film series of... James Cameron's The Terminator. Oh, wow. 
wow. This is very special to me, and I think it's very special to James Cameron as well because he had this notion. He came up with the whole idea of the Terminator in a dream, a nightmarish, sweat-waking dream. Mm. He had this dream of the Terminator, and it's a horrible sort of future that he um, poses in this where, of course, uh, a rogue AI has uh, become self-aware and deemed human beings irrelevant and decides to delete us from the planet. And that's, of course, Skynet and the creation of the Terminators themselves, the scary, unblinking, unthinking, unwavering kill machines that have their eyes set squarely on the human race. Now, I've just clearly said that I'm an enormous fan, and I also have to say, just straight off the bat, that Terminator 2 is probably the finest action film of all time, uh, arguably, you know, there's yeah. many reasons if we discussed it in the past, but um, P-Boss, are you a fan of James Cameron's The Terminator? Absolutely. Um, I'm a fan of, um, you know, where it, what it created, um, you know, for me as a, as a hardcore sci-fi guy, it was just, it's not often you get something quote unquote new or an idea that, you know, a fresh idea, man. Yeah. I, I loved it. And, and, and I loved the, the, uh, invention of tech noir, you know, like we'd had used future, um, being sort of, in, I guess, invented by, you know, people like George Lucas and stuff. Um, and, you know, here comes James, James Cameron with this tech noir sort of style. Yeah, man, long answer to your short question, but the, the answer is a resounding yes. Yeah, and I love that um, because Terminator 1, 84 with Linda Hamilton, Michael Bean, and, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the... Oh, ever intimidating and terrifying T-800 sent back in time to kill Sarah Connor. This film is, in essence, a horror film. It's terrifying. Whereas Terminator 2 has still got the, the same sort of thrilling terror aspects, but lends itself much more to being um, a Saturday matinee sort of action romp, um, which is amazing. And then this is what is really most peculiar to me, is that what happened was they decided to make they as um, Hollywood, I would say, in two thousand and three. That's going to be a recurrent. Yeah, that's going to be a recurrent question. Who's the they and they? Exactly right. Um, yeah, and we can't explore that, my bro, because I know exactly who they are in this instance. But yeah. Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines in two thousand and three. What the hell happened? The wheels fell off that wagon completely and started to turn that franchise into a big steaming pile of Uwe Boll's bilge, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah. And I yeah. can't really, well, I can actually put my finger down to one thing, really, is that James Cameron refused to have anything to do with this film. And the reason being is that uh, the franchise, of course, was bought by the studio that created it and had and hired other writers to write this story. And so he refused to direct a film in which he, in fact, didn't write from his own own brain his own intellectual property was taken by other people and taken in a direction he really didn't enjoy and that's big part of it in a lot of ways the soul was not in it and the big thing for me i will just say one more um is that they tried to add some comedy to it they tried to make a little bit of um levity in there Especially when the T-800, Arnold Schwarzenegger is actually the good guy this time, and he goes back in time to save John Connor, who's a little bit older, and they kind of 
almost frame for frame and scene for scene do that opening scene from Terminator 2 where he appears in the biker bar. Well, the T-800 appears in the biker bar, but this time it just happens to be a drag queen biker bar. And so he wanders up to the dude on stage and the guy puts his hand out and said, talk to the hand, honey. And it's just got this tacky nature to it, you know? And then he pulls out his glasses where the uh, bad to the bone would be playing and they're yeah. star-shaped. And look, man, don't take the piss out of your own franchise. Keep your IP serious and I will take you seriously. Let Mad Magazine spoof it. So this to me was the big downfall, my brother. You've seen this uh, pile, haven't you? Oh, bro, I we've sort of had a discussion about this idea before. It, it, again, be very careful when you push the Alfred E. Newman button. Like, it's just, why are you doing that? And I think um, pulling Sid Carimes out when the thing isn't broken, it's truly curious. And uh, I just didn't get it. It, it I, And I think that, yeah, you're right. Those That first scene really frames the whole movie. <laughs> you just go, yeah. Oh. Uh, you, you feel know. like the, the actual creators aren't taking it seriously, so then why should I? Whereas I've just said that the Terminator 1 was terrifying. If you're making light of this the whole way, it ceases to be terrifying. If you're making light of the action in T2, it ceases to be entertaining. It becomes something else. And then they combined all of this and then tried to give us a bit of humor too. Honestly, very rude if you ask me. And it really, really is. And what the franchise then couldn't do, because then we all were waiting, and what I really want from this franchise, dude, is, a, you know, those opening two, three minutes in one and two, you see the end of days. The T-800s are walking with two plasma rifles in their hand, just ba 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 wailing on what humans are left. Oh, Let, yeah. oh, the feet on the man. skulls, the, the piles yep. of bodies. Yeah. Well, I think what was, what was really great for me was Cameron made an incredible film the first one, you know, and in the second one, he completely juxtaposed, um, you know, Schwarzenegger's position. Like what a, what a bold move. So to bring out the second one and go this tiger shark, this menacing anabolic great white that we, we work so hard cinematically to illustrate in the first one actually is now your good guy. And then comes Robert Patrick and just picks up the mantle of, um, that that Arnie was carrying in the first one picks up mm. the mantle of going. This thing is menacing. This thing is unstoppable, you know. And we start to explore. Um, you know, it's almost dramatically paralleled as menacing and unstoppable and robotic as Robert Patrick is. You know, Arnold's character is starting to play around with human ideas. You know, Arnold's mm. character is becoming more human. You know. Jokes, gestures, you know, um, the, the cool car scene where, you know, the kid's telling him how to sort of, you know, flip someone off and snap back at someone, which, <laughs> of course, right. you know, they yeah. utilise as a callback later on with his dialogue, the hasta la vista thing. You know, come on, man. Yeah. So clever and it's so, so beautifully done. And, it em- is. And, and in both movies, there's, there's just payoffs. Everything's set up and then there's payoffs, you know, later on. That's mostly, for the most part, what... Cameron does but then you get the third one Cuzzy where payoff has been moved out of the way for farce and chuckles and I'm sorry dude yes. but it just gets dumb it's like someone pushed the dumb button and yeah uh, there it is you know and I'm totally with you on that and and just the pacing that 
Cameron has as, as a director is just phenomenal. It never misses a beat. There's always something happening and you're always invested in it. So, you know, that's something really. And um, shortly after number three came uh, Terminator Salvation, where they made uh, John Connor was played by Christian Bale. And he's also... He famously does that enormous rant, whoever that is, behind the scenes, which is um, yeah. you see a little bit of uh, Bale's You're a uh, nice guy. personality. You're a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. And I love, of <laughs> oh, course, man. I love, of course, the parody, which, uh, you know, the, have you, you've heard the Peter Griffin parody. I, I think I played thought, it to you a while ago. Yeah, you really did. Jeez, you don't oh feel like God, a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Seth MacFarlane's just responding to everything <laughs> oh, that Bale's saying. It's Somebody just Somebody else swear to your fortune. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, listen, as far as entries go into the franchise, that wasn't the worst at all. There's some moments in there that I really quite enjoyed. It wasn't the film that I wanted at all, but it was sort of okay. It was serviceable. The action was good. And, and Sam Worthington was pretty great, actually. You know, I honestly thought that. Then what they did was Terminator Genesis, spelt with a Y, to uh, make us all cringe a little bit at someone's decision. Now, this was uh, Amelia Clark from um, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. The Khaleesi. Uh, who's playing uh, Linda Hamilton's uh, Sarah Connor. And she does a fine sort of job. But once again, this film, because they tried to like reinvent it all really in a way and have an ultimate alternate timeline when they actually even go back to the eighties where that with the whole Michael Bean scene where Kyle Reese has come back from the future, they reshot the whole thing as though it's a, a different timeline. So what they've done is single handedly screwed the pooch and created so many time traveling paradoxes that it makes the first one null and void. It makes the second one null and void. And they've tried to go, well, no, this is the ultimate film now. And it sucked. There was nothing redeemable about that. Apart from every now and then Amelia Clarkson, I thought, look, just lovely, you know, in all honesty. Um, and just to finish off my rant, I don't know if you've seen it, but Dark Fate is the latest entry. Now, this was actually okay. It nearly, nearly nose dove straight into the ground and crashed and burned. But if it wasn't for Linda Hamilton reprising her role as Sarah Connor as this grizzled old powerful lady, wow, she saved the day in that film, man, 100%. But I'm afraid the franchise itself has become lost in my opinion. And we really need James Cameron to put his hand up and say, may I have my franchise back, please? May I complete this film that I actually really want to do? And let's have that future war. I want to see it. So up until then, my dude, if we're going to be reinventing, coming up with alternate timelines is like the cheapest sort of cop out. You know, if you just go like, no, it's another dimension. It's Really? Come on. You're not giving much gravity there. That's the MacGuffin we're looking at, right? It's like there's the mechanism to just do anything you want, saying it's an alternate timeline. Dude, I'm sorry. You know, that's not good enough for me. Let's have Cameron back at the helm. So there's my little Terminator rant, brother. I think that that is a mismanaged franchise. Bro, I think that's the best example and, and what a flagship of this discussion. I'm going to posit a theory to you now, and it's going to be a recurring theme through this. Maybe it's a, you know, cinematic sociological theory. I don't know what it is, but I do think it's transferable. I think what happens is that there is a point where a body of work starts out in a minority. It starts out as creatively different. So, therefore, it's only hitting potentially a small niche, right? 
And it as it becomes successful, then those others that we sort of talked about now sort of say, wow, this is a mainstream thing or this has the potentiality to be a mainstream and therefore make us a ton of money. The point to my idea is that eventually these franchises become not about the original fans, I think. So, yeah, for example, you and I would say that the Terminator series was mismanaged and destroyed at the third installment. A lot of people would argue it was actually the one afterwards. Um, but I am in complete agreement with you. Um, however, if we do look, that movie made a made money. You know, that movie was, yeah. tr- you know, quote unquote successful um, box office wise. And yeah, so that's my idea. And I'm trying again not to be, you know, not to be the Roman gladiator Cynocles, but I just think that there is a point where um, it becomes more about sort of saying, okay, it's not about the fans anymore. It's not about the original people who like it. And in yeah. and in the journey of liking it, have really embedded the law, that word we use a lot here, as in L-O-R-E. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's, yeah, that's my theory. Totally feeling you, dude. Well, I imagine it's really sort of like um as you said about it not being for the original fans anymore. And that's, I get that. I get you want to get new new blood, new ideas and a whole new audience. And you think that the generations have changed, but realistically, I think what you really need to do is make it for the fans every single time. And if it's good enough, you will get the new fans. Correct. You just will because Correct. it's actually good enough. Don't cheapen it. Just please don't. Correct. Because it's, it really has ruined what could have been and still can potentially be. Because I don't think the Terminator's over, man. Like, well, there's going to be more films. We know how popular I, it can be. I might I, I might play devil's advocate here and sort of go, at what point do you go, okay, we're done. That concept is ideologically bankrupt. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. as in- Well, if you yeah, got, I really do. If you got, yeah. say, for example, if you got those two movies, those two- bloody fantastic movies out of that idea and never got anything else, you wouldn't be tremendously unhappy. No. I do feel like that that, that it was building, you know, because you're building a world, you're, you're building a history, but the history is the loaded word for me. In In doing so of putting so many more bodies of work into the franchise, there's this presupposition of going, okay, um, sorry, the other movie that happened, take that out of your landscape. That's these production bodies. And it's it's like, nah, man, <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. You can't put out you can't put out a canvas with poo all over it and hang it up in the gallery and then go, yeah, just don't look at that one. Here's some new paintings. That <laughs> one didn't right. happen. It's like, well you know yeah. what? That one still stinks. I yeah, can exactly. Smell it and where I'm standing. That's the exact point. That's the exact point. And that's what, in my mind, well, maybe, hell, all right, maybe I'll transfer my like loathing to Genesis, which did exactly that by changing everything that happened in the past exactly. films. We're going, no, actually, that didn't happen. And now they've screwed it everywhere. And with time travel, you can kind of get away with almost anything, but <sighs> that didn't even cut the mustard. Like, you almost can. Like, paradoxes aside, you know, that even makes for a great little ponder, doesn't it? Having a little paradox. But nah, man. If just, we did an episode, don't. if we did an episode on time travel paradoxes, because there's so many different ideas, it would be a fantastic episode, but we'd be cross-eyed by the end of it. And we'd need a and lot so of so would all of our listeners. Yes, exactly. We'd need to we'd need a lot of time to prepare for it. But yeah, depending on which theory that you sort of listen to, yeah, you, you actually 
potentially can't do some of the things that we've spoken about or suggested or the cinema says, no, 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 I just went back to 10 years before that happened and then did this. It's like, okay, what you, I guess from one concept, yeah, therefore that never happened, but yeah. alternate timelines. That's if there's only one stuff. timeline. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Oh, my God. See, I'm already going cross-eyed. Yeah. I know, I know, I can see it. You still look great, though. You oh, know, thank really you, handsome. thank you. You just yeah. got to get those Dorito crumbs off your chin, but everything's fine. I haven't know. been eating Doritos. Oh, that's um, very peculiar. It's just my chin, sir. Yeah, but look, <laughs> what, a, what an example that you've thrown up there, man. I love that. Mm. And listen, while we're, while we're feeling uh, caffeinated, strong, and bold, I'm going to throw another one up there, brother. Um, Hit me with your rhythm stick. I, I you know, don't worry, the safety's on. But I will, in fact, posit Star Wars. And I want to I wanna just mention this to the listeners at home that, um, once again, if you've been on this journey with us for a while, you know what a, what a dear, dear topic this is to our hearts. Um, and we sort of stayed away from it a little bit because I promise you we will be doing some episodes featuring just this wonderful universe. Um, and so in a previous discussion... As with other episodes, we were sort of dabbling with the idea of leaving this one aside. Um, and so, look, I've explored a way that I think that you and I can can explore this and still be friends. <laughs> <laughs> Jolly and, good. And maintain the PG rating on this, on this whole uh, podcast operation. Well, we will see. I guess what I'm, what I, what, what I want this to be is like all of our stuff, a, a discussion and 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 kick some cerebral footballs around, but. I guess that's why I wanted to mention that. A franchise gets to a point where it's not about the fans anymore. Mm. And I think what another, possibly even the best example of this, is the Star Wars um, franchise. And mm. in understanding that there's a different thing in putting fan service in and there's a different thing in terms of sticking to the culture and the lore and the, and the characters that you've created... I think sometimes fan service is not the right word. I think sometimes the way these production companies use it is not so much fan service, but more like, look, it's a Star Wars movie because it's got this in it. Now go see it, you schlep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that normally works too, dude, doesn't it? Like people will lap up any fan, will go and see whatever there is. They like, want you to go and see it, not so much because you may or may not be a fan, but they go, look, it's got Star Wars written on it. Go see yeah. it. Yeah, and I will probably do that. Well, yeah, I have. You know, I have. Yeah. Um, so my thing is this. With the Star Wars franchise, I am not so much angry at individuals. I'm angry at the, at the entity, you know, the people at the top who make executive decisions. So is it a Kathleen Kennedy? She's kind of borne the, borne the brunt of, you know, all, all of this scrutiny. I don't really want to put a name or necessarily a face to it. But what I do want to say is that um, for me, I guess I'm focusing on the last three as in, you know, the most the most recently made, so six, what? what so eight, nine, eight, nine, oh, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be focusing, you know, for yeah. me on seven, eight, nine. A lot of people would say the franchise died for them with one, two, and three. Okay, because that's pretty much where I might lie. Exactly, my well, cousin. So, so yeah. I guess right. what I, I guess that, yeah, I knew, I knew that we would sort of be coming at this from a, from a different angle, but- I promise you this is going to be a pretty easy and, and brief 
um, description for me of the of the last three. So for me, right. for me, I don't necessarily say that the franchise died at the first three because at least it was trying to serve an existing law, culture, or universe. It was trying to serve a story. It was trying to contribute to an established narrative. I'm sort of pissed off and 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 put the Star Wars people <laughs> in this discussion because I guess I'm angry primarily at at, at two concepts. The, the the one is I'm disappointed in producers and powers that be essentially allowing the last three to roll out with with really what appears to be with no continuity or longer term vision right mm. yeah yep and so for example what we end up with is we end up with um three movies that really mess with the law drop try to establish plot points and then immediately drop them and i just think that sort of stuff is bad filmmaking and a drag yes yeah so yeah. the powers that be essentially allow two dudes to have the reins going forward. I don't know, cuz, did these guys ever get in a room with a whiteboard and go, where are we going to and how are we going to get there? Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying in that um, you feel that the uh, the modern three are almost like three standalones in regards and not actually tied together with the same plot points. And I guess my anger is like, how does that happen? Like, why would yeah. you let that happen? Like, yeah. Because I, I don't even want to really drill down too much on the individual. Like, I'm not even, I'm one of those dudes, I'm not even that mad at Ryan Johnson. Here's the thing. Abrams, for me, was almost too respectful. So, he he effectively, you had two polar opposites. You had Abrams almost too respectful, effectively bringing no new ideas, Right. And these are just mm. very broad brush strokes, G-Fresh. Then you had Ryan Johnson, who quote-unquote wanted to subvert expectations. So you had one guy that was almost too respectful and too in awe of the law, and another guy that goes, no, I want to sweep it all off the table. Yeah, I'm not necessarily saying either was right or wrong, but they don't work in terms of trying to complete a series. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. They don't, yeah. The three th films I'm hearing, and I have witnessed these things. They don't bind. I don't think individually. I don't. I. I liked the Force Awakens, man. I thought it was good. It's I did. The I did. Same film as A New Hope. No worries. Like you've got that. You know what it is. Last Jedi. Oh dearie me! No, really, I I'm really sorry, but that that's not okay. I'm not okay with the fact that the way that that film was presented and made, written, conceived, regardless of how it looks, it's beautiful. But the whole concept is flawed. So when you take a big turd and you're going to go, well, I'm going to make this turd look good, you've made a turd look good. You haven't ceased it from being a turd. So they had never had a chance that film, you know. So poo poo on that one in particular. Um, I, you know, I also enjoy, uh, the, the finality rise of the Skywalker. I, there were moments that it felt rushed. Yes, sure. But yeah, I, I do sense you. I, I feel like the, the last Jedi for me was the nail in the coffin and what the rise of the Skywalker had to do was be exemplary. Course and correction. it wasn't. It was good. It was not exemplary. It actually needed to be the flagship. It's the last Star Wars film. Exactly. And you do that. Exactly. Are you serious? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I honestly feel like it needed some 
person with executive function to get people in a room and go, okay, how did you chuckleheads do this? How did you chuckleheads mismanage three movies so much so that the third one has to mostly be course correction and trying to fix the argument that mum and dad had in the first two? You know? Yeah. And yeah, and, and essentially right. essentially Ryan Johnson, and I'm going to try and say this in a safe way, and I'm going to try not to nol- Nick Nolte here, you know, but he brought in some interesting ideas, but it's just it's just like, is that the time to do it? Okay, you talk about subverting expectations is <laughs> on film number eight of a nine movie saga the time to do it and again why is there no one executively over the top going nah man it's not about subverting expectations now i'm able to say that at the same time as going there are some interesting ideas in that movie there are Mm. some sort of some cool ideas um we're trying to sort of we're trying to sort of say that the force is owned by no one and the force exists regardless of the players involved. That's an interesting idea. It had been very black and white, very bipolar earliest, uh, earlier to that, you know. But yeah, big time. But the problem is, right, with, with, with coming in and saying, I'm actually going to sweep everything off the table, you, you, me, me as the simple little dude that loves to go to the cinema and watch his movies. I walk in and I'm left with this beautiful established character that I love of Yoda being this wise, grand wizard, keeper of truth. And I have to watch him become a book burner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Luke, who is the Luke, who is the, you know, son of nobility, I have to watch this idea of Ray's parents almost being deliberately penned in as degenerate drinkers and gamblers, yeah. you know? I have to watch um, dropped plot lines. You know, I have to watch these ideas. Like, just as a Star Wars dude in Force Awakens, I was really interested with the ideas of Knights of Ren. It's like, wow, it sounds rad. Dudes of our generation, Luke Skywalker is one of the highest held heroes in history. And now I have to watch him be painted in one movie as a failed teacher, an attempted murderer, by the way. He, he attempts familicide, by the way, which is an actual word when you try to kill a family member. Yeah? Mm. And becomes this weird green tit milker, um, who's kind of largely painted at best as apathetic, but at worst as a, as kind of like a coward. He was. He also came in that little bit there. Sorry to cut you off. As like comic relief, and that's what pissed me off. After the entire first film, where we're we you know Luke Skywalker's a legend. We've been looking for him. Rhett's, Ray's only goal is to find Skywalker, and then at the end of the first, she's left standing on the clifftop, holding his own saber out to him, and they're tears in their eyes and you don't know if it's her, her dad or whatever <clears throat> and then you cut to the next film and he throws it over his shoulder he's a total douchebag he's dismissive and he's boring and this is the last time we get to see him and you did that to him exactly how dare you do that to luke skywalker to, to guys of our generation and guys with our philosophical belief this dude is as good as <laughs> he's effectively luke skywalker is effectively jesus for us like this is so to summarize my position and then i'd i'd, I'd gloriously love to cross to your ideas and hear what you think but to summarise my position, Abrams had too much respect. And in setting up that movie, the fundamental problem that I had with The Force Awakens is 
nothing happened as a good result of the previous three movies that we loved. There's just the same empire-like people in there and the same star-destroying thing. And I don't think he meant to do it, but it's like, you know what? You've just cheapened everything that our wonderful characters fought so hard for. And on the other extreme, with with Ryan, you in your zeal to create something new, it cannot come at the expense of beloved characters. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. And that's what they did, man. It, it, seriously, I'm, I'm still really sort of bitter about Luke Skywalker. And I, I really, oh, I, really am. Oh, dude, I, I mourn him. I mourned him. Yeah. And, and brother, you and I have spoken about this before, watching Hamill at these press conferences. And again, listeners to this podcast know the regard and the esteem that we hold Hamill in. He did incredibly well. Uh, in in terms of showing the restraint, but there's plenty of there's plenty of interviews and there's plenty of times on on YouTube you can see when he's doing promotional tours and stuff, and he's in anguish. He's holding he's holding what he really feels in, but he's also alluding to the fact that he wasn't happy. This is the man's you know life's work in a way. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And look, I, I want to throw a little um a, a little um opinion in here if you wouldn't mind. Throw Star a massive War- one in, bro. Big. Big one here. Okay, well, Disney bought Star Wars. That's um, this is where everything changed. Like it really, really did. Lucas wasn't doing a huge amount with his own intellectual property. You know, like he, he you know, the, the the prequels were. Yeah, we know what they are, and we can talk about them potentially another time in the, in the big Star Wars episode. But Star Wars has always been a marketable franchise. Like the Ewoks serve no purpose. Apparently, the Ewoks was on Endor. They were supposed to actually be on Kashyyyk, and it was supposed to be all. Wookiees, Wookie planet, which would have yeah. been a hell of a damn film. That would have been something else. But you can sell an Ewok faster than you can sell a Wookiee, perhaps. But so that's that's a real driving force. And so then the ultimate marketing company on the planet, aka uh, Disney, captures this so they can make little plushy toys of all of these characters that they now own. And the is basically a license to print money. You can you know you slap Star Wars on anything and. Some idiot will buy it. And I have been, and you have been, and many of our listeners have been that idiot. And that is just absolutely fine. And I get that. And so, but that's what happens in this new one too, is um, a lot of stupid stuff happens and you can see it as a money grab. There's a lot of comic relief in there that doesn't need to be there. Once again, with that Terminator thing, treat your franchise with respect and take it seriously. There is a lot of humor in the original Star Wars. Like when you initially meet Yoda, oh my God, he's, a, he's a cheeky little bugger. You know Brilliant. what I mean? He really is. And he, once again, out he goes as a plushie. He's actually really quite easy. I think the thing about it is though, for me, the comedy that's in, that's in the first I keep saying the first three. The comedy that's in, you know, what is it? Gosh, five, six, no. Four, five, and six. <laughs> yeah. Um, is probably not so much in the script as it is brought out in the performances. So, yes, Han yes. Solo, we're fine. We're all fine here now. How are you? You know, that's probably more Harrison Ford's performance, you know, because we've all seen what Lucas is like. He's not a, 
you can't, you know, you don't want to go see George Lucas do stand up. It's not going to be uh, no. It's not going to be fun. Um, and and there was there was a lot of there's a lot of uh, discussion, uh, and I read a lot about Irvin Kirshner sort of talking about how there needed to be more character substance and humanity in Empire, you know, such as things like like humor and all that sort of stuff. But like I said, when it's when it shifts from humor into more farcy, you know sort of stuff it's like what that's yeah that's just so out of place and it just breaks breaks reality for me yeah well that's it and that and that's where i've just got to i'm gonna have to put my foot down <laughs> you know about the whole scenario because i you know just take your franchise seriously and your fans will come with you you know but you know we did bring this up um, as though it's gone wayward, and and it has. Like the, the franchise itself has has str- you know strode off the path a little bit, uh, but it's still very much alive. There's a new season of The Mandalorian uh, slated to be coming out soon, which is pretty damn fun. Really, really enjoyed the first season, man. And the offshoot films, I really liked Solo. I really liked Rogue One. These were fantastic. Let's explore. And this is the, I suppose, because the franchise had been uh, come to a grinding halt under Lucas's guidance. This is why I wasn't, I was equally upset because I knew how marketable um, Star Wars would all of a sudden become um, being taken over by Disney. But then also it's got Disney money. You can pump money at it and we can get new and interesting sort of uh, offshoots of it. And, that hasn't ceased, and I don't think it will, which is really quite heartening. I, I'm one of the biggest um, bandiers. I don't even know if that's a word, but we have talked about We have a podcast, so we get to create words. I a word. have been one of the biggest bandiers of the Disneyfication concept, right? Yeah. I agree with you, but at the same time, you go, well, hang on. What about Marvel? What about the MCU? Who owns that? How did yeah, they manage to yeah. hold all that together? Um, is there a coincidence why one of the uh, foundational members of the MCU um, is, you know, behind the Mandalorian within a Disneyfication and producing something fantastic? Like, I think, I think one one thing that um, uh, that uh, Rich Evans from Red Letter Media explores is the idea of saying, "Look, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful space, be it." Star Trek or, you know, the big one, Star Wars, Star Trek, but there just gets a point where you're ideologically bankrupt. You've just squeezed that lemon. There's not much more to do because they are sort of in some ways limited ideas and concepts, you know, like, dude, it's it's the Joseph Campbellian hero's journey is Star Wars. That's all it is. There's not yeah, much more. Exactly. Um, you know, but I listen, I would be interested though. You mentioned earlier, and I know you potentially want to move on from this, but I might not let you. <laughs> I, I'm curious. You said for, for you, this the franchise died more at the first three end, so the prequels. Yes. Yeah. Where in the prequels would you say? Oh, right, right in the beginning. And then followed very swiftly, almost too consistently, by the second. Attack of the Clones is one of the worst films in the world. Yep. I don't enjoy it. Anakin, um, Hayden Christensen, the poor bugger man, received so much hate mail yeah. for this portrayal of Anakin. He really did. I don't want hate mail sent to anybody, but... Hell, man, if it's going to be anyone, it's actually that dude in this film. It's actually horrible. That little rant that he goes on about, I hate sand. It's 
course and it gets everywhere. Yeah. Oh, God, stop whinging. You can control stuff with your mind. Just get over it for a but, second. Stop being a teenager. But he didn't write it. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, he didn't write it. And that's right. And that's why that shoot the messenger syndrome. I, you know, you can't blame him for that. And don't but, forget, don't forget one of Harrison Ford's greatest quotes from the production of, of the of the original Star Wars where Carrie talks about it and Hamill talks about it. You know, at one point, you know, Harrison turns and shouts at uh at George. George, like, God damn it, George, just because you can write this stuff doesn't mean we can say it, you know? He literally <laughs> yeah. does. That's a quote. So, you know, um, maybe a young yeah. Hayden just didn't have the gumption to sort of turn and yell and say that, you know, because Harrison Ford was, you know, George Lucas was kind of a nobody. He knew lots of people, Francis Ford Coppola and blah, 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 but he was kind of a nobody. He'd done American Graffiti, you know, which Harrison Ford was in a bit anyway, so they kind of knew each other. You know, THX, let's let's be honest, not many people really had seen that. It wasn't a commercial hit. So I guess I don't know why I feel like defending this poor kid, but you no, know, please. Harrison was in important. his in his thirties. He could probably turn and yell at this weird weird dude. I mean, what can you do when you're a young kid and the only direction you're getting is faster, more intense? Exactly, and he and he and his performance and his character is not the 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 ultimate thing that uh, brought this film down or this franchise down. See, I think it's Portman. I think it's Portman that's wooden. For me- She was pretty hollow, dude. For me, on one end, end you've got Hayden probably, yeah, overdoing it. And it's like, dude, just calm down. But on the other end, you've got Portman who's just wooden for me, that performance. Yeah. It's not very flash. But really, the the thing that really (laughs) killed that franchise- is a particular Gungan named Jar Jar Binks. What idiot. Damn, that's unfortunately and really very good. Oh, my, my. Yeah, I I do it to my my kids when they're annoying me. Like, hate it. And they're like, please, we'll eat the peas. Just (laughs) We're already in tears. Yeah. 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 But and that's it. That was it. That was like. He's the Ewoks. Oh. He's the Ewoks. He was the what? Sorry. He's the Ewoks. Well, basically, but nowhere near as cute, nowhere near as charming, thousand times annoying. And it's just, it's not okay. And that was that um, sort of uh, money making scheme. You know, the, the marketable thing was everyone wants to have a little Gungan, perhaps. No, they didn't. And that's what Lucas learned, you know. And where was he in the second film? He had a little moment and he was gone. He was 86 as hell. See, my my thing is too, like then you had had the creator, you know, the father messing with his own meta. And it's like, what? Metachlorians? Oh, what are the, what? No, you had yeah. you had it. You had this universal chi energy and called it the Force. That was great, but what are Metachlorians? Oh, how dare you quantify this and try and have a scientific explanation for magic? Up yours, Lucas. Yeah, they were space <laughs> wizards. Let them be space wizards. <laughs> That's right. Exactly, man. <laughs> exactly. So, look, there are a fair few points in in the Star Wars franchise history where 
arguably, I think they're actually all pretty responsible and involved, uh, involved, forgive me, um, in the demise of this particular franchise. No, but- I get it. I get it. I, I guess for me, though, I just went the last three. I, I, I remember sitting in the cinema and emotionally turning to my wife and just going, this isn't for me anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't mean yep. it in terms of my preference. Like, I'm sorry, this isn't for me. I'd, I prefer something else. It was more like, <laughs> these movies aren't made for the fans anymore. That's right. It's not about and me. Who do you make them for but the fans, goddammit? You know? But there, it's it's always going to be a timeless, special place in my heart. The original three. Come on. And let's know. be honest. Now, let's be honest. You know. That was almost like a happy coincidence, the whole fact that Star Wars ended up, that first movie ended up looking like it did and coming out like it did. It wasn't, it was almost a happy accident. It was a fair percentage of happy accident in that. Like, if George could have done, if technology was where where he wanted it to be, there would have been stupid Gungans and stupid stuff there, Uh, you know? Like, so I guess we just have to, we we just have to potentially accept that. At least he was smart enough in the second one to go, Irvin, it's over to you, Tuzzy. Right out of there. You know, yeah, um, totally. But yeah. yeah, look, there we go. We've had it. We've 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 yeah. uh, we've popped that lid open, and now we can safely explore it at another time in greater. Uh, unbelievable. We were drifting uh, very very close into that becoming our Star Wars episode, <laughs> weren't we? But rest assured, that's the best bit. It's because like we'll have a whole other episode where we properly dissect this in its truest form, and I, I'm very looking forward to yeah, that one. Yeah, and we're still you know? friends. Yeah, it's thanks, great. man. Yeah. That was it. We are actually. That was really nice. No, thanks for that, man. I really enjoyed that. Truly, that's a goodie. All right, what do you got? Um, what do you got? I'm gonna you throw at it? you. Okay, well, it's kind of like a double whammy, Ooh. and I will explain why. Please. Uh, the franchises, uh, firstly, Alien. Oh, boy. Aliens. So we've got Ridley Scott's Alien, uh, which is, once again, the die uh, The die is rolled to make that you're a horror. And it's very terrifying. We hadn't seen anything like that. It's a sort of isolation of space, and, you know, the, the front cover's minimalistic, and it says, in space, no one can hear you scream. And I'm like, oh, this is terrifying, and it is. And we hadn't seen a xenomorph before. Wow. Aliens, on the other hand, of course, James Cameron, once again, grabbed that and took it in this other direction that we were not expecting. It went from a horror to, well, it's still pretty bloody scary if you ask me but it went from a horror to a more actiony romp it's a, it's a war you know, it's a war movie it way. is really isn't it? a squad based war movie and all this I know and so there you've got you know same sort of deal with the Terminator the, the opener in the franchise is a horror the second as with the Terminator both commanded by James Cameron turns it into something else a much better version if you ask me yeah, well, you know better is a is a an opinion I'm not, not going to delve too hard on that but then what happened was Alien 3, and that is where things changed radically, and that was a much different film to the others that we'd seen before. It was lending itself once again back to a bit more of a, a slower-paced horror vibe, but I didn't enjoy it. The xenomorph in that had been uh, had sprung from a dog, and it was a, it was a different kind of xenomorph on a prison planet. And Charles Dance, amazing, amazing, menacing sort of character, being a good guy for once, couldn't even save this film. You know, that was a piece of pox. Then what happened after that, of course, is Alien Resurrection. You know, Ron Perlman and a few other serviceable entries from one owner writer, but. 
the point I am getting to is the alien versus predator thing. So there we bring predator in this mutual mashing of destruction of franchise. Number one, Arnie at his finest. Number two, Danny Glover at his finest. Here we are with alien versus predator. What should be no one the at their ultimate- finest. <laughs> That's right. No one. But what at their should finest. be the smashing oh, of two it. fantastic Dude. franchises. Realizing all of a sudden that these things that you've known and loved for 10 to 15 years are in fact existing in the same universe. This is massive, man. This is massive. Alluded to at the end of Predator 2. Correct. When you see a xenomorph in the the Predator's ship at the very end. Now, that's where it all changed, really. This was two franchises that we both love and were desperate for a new entry Desperate, I would say. Yeah. And we got Alien versus Predator. Strangely, a little bit of um, a tidbit here. I saw the pr- uh, Alien versus Predator at the cinema. And you know at the start of most films where the date pops up and it says October 18, uh, 2000 or whatever? I saw that on the same day. It was a set, man. <laughs> Honestly. Wow. When it popped up in the bottom, I'm like, gee, 18th of October, 2004. And I looked at my... <gasps> That's today. As far as I knew, that could have been a live feed. You know, it's like, this is actually happening right now. That's great. But what a shameful sort of, um, it wasn't good. And that was based on, I think there was some comics and there was some fan fiction. And there was, in fact, a, uh, a video game, Alien versus Predator, where you could play the Predator, the Alien, or the Marine in separate campaigns. And yeah. The alien was kind of wonderful, actually, because you started as a face hugger and you had to go through the whole process of becoming a xenomorph, which was pretty wonderful. But, my brother, look, that's that's where both franchises melded and they tried to recover elsewhere and by themselves, but they haven't seemed to have been able to do that. Um, what's your opinion on when we tried to get away from Alien vs. Predator and sparked up with Ridley's Prometheus? I'm going to go back a little bit to AVP. And you know when you get so sick, right, and you're you're sharting and vomiting? (laughs) I don't know if you've ever experienced that, like, but I have, you know. And, and like, one end is blasting and you don't know what to do with the other end. It's like, oh, like, so you just – that, to me, was Alien versus Predator. It's like, oh, my God, you managed to vomit. And have diarrhea, <laughs> like wow! I and, and and much like myself, when I'm vomiting and having diarrhea, you just didn't really know which bit went where. You didn't know what to do, <laughs> right? Um, and I'm just sort of mirroring back what I heard you say. So I'm curious: would you say you'd say the franchise busted at three, or would you say it was fractured at three, limped through maybe four, and then was Kind of, you know, double double evolutioned. Because yeah. I would, I would argue. Listen to me asking you a question and not letting and you then answer. go answering I'm your so own sorry. question. You yeah, go. I know. My quick. I'll do a very quick answer because I know that you. Because I asked the a question. Something. I'm so sorry. I know. I know what you did. No, it's all right. No, I I don't like Alien Three, and I don't feel compelled to watch it again. So no. what does that say to me about the franchise? It's like it was right there. I can skip that entry. I can watch Resurrection again. I can skip number three and go to Resurrection and be all right. Yeah. Okay, the style Hellboy's was good. in it. Exactly, exactly. And Sigourney was tough as, and I enjoyed that. Perlman, but, Perlman yes. is eminently watchable in many things. 
Oh, he really is. He really, really is. But yeah, so I, I no, it didn't. The franchise didn't limp out of Alien. It Broke came it to a grinding halt. Yeah. Halt. Yeah. Yeah. So three for me. We mentioned other those others. Three for me might be one of the best examples in this discussion of of of, of a of a something getting othered. Um, you had David Fincher end up with it. Um. But you know there was some. There was, I think, at least two directors uh, who got employed to do it, um, or at least write and prepare stuff. Cuzzy, you know, uh, the, the Fincher effectively ended up on set, dude. At that point, he hadn't done a lot. He'd done. Um, I honestly think mostly advertising and stuff. I, I might be wrong, but he he did not have a big body of work. He basically turned up uh, on set, brother, with. No script. There was there was no script. Set pieces weren't even done. Because um, it started back in the day, to, from my memory, with um, uh, Rennie Harlan. And, you know, Rennie Harlan's kind of got a career that's sort of up and down in it in itself. You know, Ford Fairlane, Die Hard, you know, uh, 2. But sort of eventually disappeared into the ether. Um, and then there was another director who got his hands on it and... He actually, um, Rennie Harlan posited the idea of they were not, it wasn't a prison planet. It was um, a planet like a monastery of monks, like weird um, spiritual monk type dudes, um, which could have been interesting. You know what I mean? Um, it's interesting in the in the origins of this. This is where we see some of the ideas that were picked up later in Prometheus. So the second director, and I'm so sorry that I can't remember this dude's name, he came with the idea of he wanted the concept of they go to a planet and it's like these weird sort of monk alien dudes and they're much more intelligent and much more advanced than us. Sound familiar? You know, like- It does quite a bit. And of the the studios were like, no, we really want a prison planet. We really want a prison- breakout, you know, type movie. So, um, these ideas kind of got blurred and splushed around, you know, three and four, man. And um, so, I reckon, I I don't know, I look at something like three and four, particularly three is just studio meddling. Like, they just just got in there and no no one could have done anything with it. Um, But yeah, they're bilge. They suck. As a result, the the franchise was just warped beyond, I think, probably beyond- Repair. Fast forward to AVP, and I've given you my thought on that. Like, there's no fun sitting on the oval when you're vomiting. No, and they made a sequel, which was even worse. And what happened there was, um, like, they bothered to do that thing that really annoyed me. We discussed it in the uh, in the horror episode uh, at the very beginning of the Manchildian candidate career. And what grinds me is when you've got such a loved and familiar adversary as alien and as predator they are both the bad guys to humans right and somewhat we start to empathize through avp a little bit with the predator like they're actually you can actually communicate with them whereas the alien is in fact going to take you apart and impregnate you with its babies not a nice dude but the whole point really to me is that they keep introducing this horrible entity to you as though it's the first time you've seen it. Now, I've seen the Predator. I've been inside its ship. I know exactly what it eats for breakfast. And then you go, flash, and then you see its teeth, and then flash, you hear it go, and then, you know, 
don't. Let me see it. Take me to the Predator planet. Likewise, with the Terminator, take me to the destroyed future where the Terminators are wreaking havoc. Don't just pose that as, you know, the, you know if we don't survive, we won't make, you know. Don't do that to me. Let me let me in. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus, you know. Uh, we've had dinner. That's it, we've man. had dinner. Let's go to the futon. I agree with you. I That's think what I'm it's talking um about. Yeah, I agree with you. And but I don't know, dude. I feel like this is what happens again when you're ideologically bank- bankrupt, when you're creatively bankrupt, when you when you're going, okay, I'm going to I'm going to sell a brand, but I don't really know what I'm going to do. And I think um Yeah. Let's tear the Band-Aid off and, 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 and go to Prometheus. You asked me earlier where I sit mm. with all of that. Um, yeah. I do feel like maybe Prometheus, bearing in mind that history had to be a course correction. I feel. I wonder, I'm curious if Ridley felt just a lot more pressure for it to go, I really have to go hard with resetting and resetting a world. Actually, I, I remember sitting in the cinema going, I'm pretty confused. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. And I know I know there's 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 a mixture in this movie of I guess what I call clever mistakes, which I put down to being, ah, oh, might just be over my head. It must be just one of them science things I don't understand. To what I call dumb mistakes. Where it's like, oh why are they landing on an alien planet and they're not wearing helmets? Like, what are they doing? Like, why? That's weird. Yeah. There's a whole lot of that throughout that. Surely when you do your your space induction, you know, it's probably covered within the first hour, you would have thought. Like the OHS guy's (laughs) going, and this is a spacesuit. Note that it is air sealed. Do not, under any circumstances, remove the spacesuit. You know, like, is that not? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's glaringly. <laughs> bo- yeah, I know. The stupidity behind a lot of the decisions that are made by a lot of the characters in that, like, two of the characters in particular, when they somehow get lost and they're the most experienced spelunkers or cave explorers that human race actually has and then all of a sudden they get lost and then they decide to split up the old classic don't split up trick and they just go well we better split up I'm like oh really okay but what the big glaring thing for me is when the uh, the main character does surgery on herself with this incredible thing and she cuts out an alien she's been impregnated with this thing and she cuts it out and then she's like oh i've got this alien i'm gonna go and show everybody and then Wayland's woken up and that is a bigger deal than the fact that she just cut. Sure, he's there. It's actually surprising. You didn't know that. Right. But she's cut an alien out of her stomach that, as far as we know, no one ever has ever done. And that's not even then talked about. That's not even a thing. You know, it's. I, I oscill- oscillate in what I believe and what I don't believe in a world of fiction, which is a silly thing to do, right? But. Hardcore experienced geeks and consumers of culture like this as we are, we take the silly quite seriously. <laughs> or we take what other people think is silly, and to us it's quite serious. You just it's just the way we choose to participate, right? So even just the little things about going, okay, I'm happy to say you've got incredible medical technology that that kind of allows you to do that. It's a stretch, but okay. 
but then when you jump straight out of the thing and you're practically smashing out sets of crunches, it's like, oh, that bit I have trouble with. Like, surely she's going to be moving with slight less functionality or, you know. And look, you can get around that. The 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 the, the yay sayers can can be sort of saying, well, she's so heightened or so fearful, or technology is that advanced that you know she doesn't. Okay, fine. But even just a little thing, like I'm so glad you brought that scene up because Ridley does a lot to talk about creation and a lot to talk about the sort of rules that organic creatures have to follow. If you really watch this movie, there's a lot of nods to going, okay, organic creatures have to follow certain rules, right? How does that creature go from effectively its fetal state to in, th- I don't know, I think it's only about three hours to the size of what it was in a space where we know there's no food source. There's nothing for it to eat or consume. Like, I know that sounds like I'm being maybe anus gerulitis again, but how? Like, it's giant by the end. Things yeah. like that. And there's a like, bunch of those. Hey, a- hey, Ritters. Yeah. Hey, Ritters. Just Ritters. Riddle me this, <laughs> Ritters. You bloody changed your name to, you know, Riddley bloody Scott. Like, he's the Riddler, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I feel it, man. And, that, and that's those glaring plot holes, right? And so... The- then when Covenant, Alien Covenant, the sequel to this, uh, came out, I, I watched it and it was far more palatable and it was, I got a little bit more from it, I think. But, but that's that's my problem. I think I did. But I was already so disappointed and dismayed at the confusion and the annoying nature of Prometheus that by then I actually didn't care. I'd lost care. So I was going in with it going, well, I don't care about this, so I'm going to pick it apart. And I did. And full stop. You know, so they've lost me. The Alien franchise lost me. And I'm upset by that because I'm the right guy. <laughs> you know, I'm the right guy. We are the market. It's yeah. like, how do you lose your market? And, and, and a lot of it, even the second one, is really based around let's move really quickly. Let's just throw lots of stuff in there. Don't think... G-Man, don't think too long about that. But look, now this shiny thing's happening. No, 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 don't think about that. (laughs) Now look at this, you know, it's like, look at the eyes, look at the eyes. Don't look away from the eyes. Don't look around the eyes. Look at the eyes. You know, (laughs) it's just just that whole idea that, you know, if you stop and watch a review from someone whose opinion that that counts, like, again, if you look at a Mr. Plinkett breakdown, it's blatantly obvious to go, what's happening and why? And I guess I felt like Ridley was – better than that or beyond that reproach for, for mine. So, you know, yeah. I don't want to yeah. say this. I don't want to say this, but is there a point where filmmakers start getting to a certain chronology and it's just too hard? Because I'm going to bring this up in, a, in, a, in another movie in a moment. But, I mean, my question for you is this. There is another one in production, apparently. It's going to happen. Right. Of course. Do you go to the cinema to watch it? Maybe. Yeah, probably, I suppose. Because what, you know, even though I've got a horrible taste in my mouth, I am still hungry and I'm dying for more of that, but I'm dying for something good. Do you go, f- do you go first? Right? Do you go, right? It's opened, let's say it opened at, you know, nine o'clock. Do you go? And you've got the day off. Do you go at 12 o'clock or do you wait for some sort of review? No, I think I think I go 
Yeah, I choose to understand firsthand because, I mean, reviews, as we know, we are reviewing things currently, are wildly opinionated. That's exactly what the whole point is. It's not a bias appraisal. It's not the synopsis of the film. It's someone saying, that didn't work for me. That didn't work for me. No, I'm just interested behaviorally based on your history and your experience because for me, it's a solid no. I don't go to a cinema. (laughs) Nah. Yeah, right. And I wait. See, I don't and, go opening day. And I honestly wait for a guy like you that I trust, to, you know, and if you go thumb up, yeah, then I go. But it's going to have to be a pretty big thumb. It's going to have to be a big yeah, freaking, yeah. you know, inflatable thumb. Like, Well, I can do that for you, man. That's what I'll do. No, I, I will. And that's that's the gimmick. Like, I, I still somehow give them money, though. You know, it's funny. It seems like uh, ironic, doesn't it? So, for example, let's use the same the same idea. I'm actually, this is how emotionally scarred I am. If there was to be another installment in the saga, so if there was an episode 10, okay, I wouldn't go, Cuzzy. I swear to you I wouldn't go. If there was another fun movie like Rogue, Rogue One that was canon, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have a look at it. But, Cousin, where that, where that series left, with, left me... Uh, no way, no way. Like I was, I don't know, yeah. I was two-thirds of the way through the last one really lamenting the fact that I'd given this series any more of my coin. But let's not go back and allude to there. So in terms of in terms of <laughs> yeah. in terms of maybe that's a maybe that's an interesting point to sort of look at our point of difference on this and then move on. But yeah, Ridley, a new one in the cinema, I wouldn't go until I heard someone like you tell me and I'd be looking at the position of your thumbs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hearing exactly what you're saying. I am a bit of a sucker. I probably would go, um, I, not with the distinct sort of notion like, oh, I'm giving Ridley money straight to his pocket. But I, I, I'm too intrigued. And I'd, in truth, go, and it's like one of those things, you know, when you find that someone out there doesn't like something, but what they do is they absorb themselves in that thing almost twice as much as someone that does enjoy it to take a big dump on it later. It's just bizarre. Yeah. If you don't like it, why are you watching? Yeah. Because you just have to, you know, yeah. because you just hate it so much, you want to hate it even more, find more reasons to hate it. So, I mean, maybe that's one of my little psychological no, tickets man, there for me I going to take a dump on it. I 100% get that. And I don't think that's exactly the angle. I think it's you going back because you have so much emotional investment in the characters and the universe, dude. Like, that's 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 my... That's my take on it, and and you know, um, it's an interesting one. But yeah, the alien one really resonates with me, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, it hurts. It hurts a lot because I love Ridley Scott, and Ridley Scott forever gets a pass and goes into the halls of Valhalla for that first movie alone. Like Ridley could continue just to poop and poop and poop, and I'll never, never remove you know his Qantas Lounge status. For, for creating that, you know, that first one. Um, but I think I think he's just in a messy state. I think he's in a mess now. And I wonder yeah, I, I wonder if he's too old. I wonder if he's okay. Well, we actually asked him. That's the thing. We've just taken a big dump on all of his work. And I think, you know, maybe we should ask him. I did the other day and he just texts me back, who's this and how'd you get my number? So, uh, yeah, I did. New phone, who this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> seen that one before. Yeah. I did include um, the Predator in that too. And what happened after a- AVP2 was the next entry into the Predator franchise. And that was uh, Predators, um, the plural of Predator, of course. 
And um, it had Adrian Brody in it and a few other, and Danny Trejo, whom I find just I love wonderful, real-world sort of scar-faced, actual San Quentin prisoner yeah, making a real deal out Machete. of it. Machete. love it. Machete. What a guy. Um, yeah, and th- that was okay. I kind of enjoyed that a little I bit. I thought that had moments. Um, I thought they tried to bring something yeah. new. I thought Brody was great. Um, yeah, he was an action hero. That was very surprising, and he was Buff, what the hell happened to that guy that I saw in The Pianist, man? Like, yeah, yes, yes. Um, I'm sorry that you saw another guy's pianist, but it's, uh, it is interesting to me, cousin, because I felt like that one was okay because they kind of went back to going, okay, what do we know and what are we going to do? do honor to we we know that these predators because of the history we know that they're a warrior class we know that they're hunters that was what would the potential narrative that was inter- i was hoping was going to be explored more in avp was that you alluded to it before you know dr g one is a one is a determined intelligent evolved predator and the other is biologically compelled to do what they do you know what i mean so one's kind of a hunter evil going yeah man this is recreation for me but i want to be challenged and if you don't pick up the gun i I, you'll be unarmed so there'll be less uh, honor in the trophy so i won't kill you whereas the other one is just like oh i i'm not even probably doesn't even think that much it's just like i got i got a propagate the race and I got to, you know, one's kind of more like just a giant drooling dangerous insect and the other's kind of arguably more like us. So yeah, that's what I felt yeah. could have been explored more and wasn't. And that's why I think it was a bit bankrupt of ideas. But going back to the idea of the Predator sequel, that's what I thought they did well. They just explored what we had uh, as fans knew about the Predator. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And they, they even made another one. After Predator. And I, in all honesty, I haven't done my research and I can't remember what it's called. Now, that says something about it. Yeah. Because I watched it and I can't really remember it. There was a scene with the truck and they were running over roofs and or something. And I couldn't there stand it. I, so, couldn't, I couldn't stand yeah. it. I hated it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> there we are. And I don't want to talk about it either. So, that's an example. There's there's two sort of inter- interwoven franchises that sort of came to a, a halt mutually at the same time through the same film, which is really quite remarkable. And that's why AVP has my dishonorable mention yeah. and straight to Uwe Boll's bilge bucket. Yeah, Thank this you is, very much, sir. It's a classic Boll episode, isn't it? So let's uh, let's move on, my brother. But I do have a caveat on this section. It's going to be potentially emotional for us, but I'm glad that we're here for each other or there for each other. But either way, let's be <laughs> we're together. Yeah. yeah. Um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Bag of Feces. God. Um, Man, that's not even on my list. And (laughs) All right. uh, Thanks, man. Great. Yeah, I apologize. A cloud came over the sun when you said that, you know? Like, seriously. I know. Oh, God. I know. Anyway. Um, Listeners listeners at home, I I just wish you could have seen G Fresh's little punim then. Um, the bottom lip came out. Uh, it started to quiver, but we can get through this now, bro. All right. This is doubly difficult for me because it's one of my favourite uh, franchises or series, and it's arguably my favourite filmmaker. Um, so, I guess where do you where do you go with this? My point is, this is probably one of my most anticipated movies, dude. Ski. Mm. 
uh, juxtaposed with my experience of arguably being the most disappointed <laughs> I've ever been. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, sort of understanding that there was, you know, some uh, graphic novels and some other um, information that had sort of excreted into the universe since we since we had seen Indy, you know, running around with his father in the previous movie, which, by the way, I thought was fantastic. I'd seen scripts leaked on the internet and ideas. We knew it was coming. We knew that Spielberg um, and Lucas weren't finished with this character, um, and there were lots of ideas. I guess um, I'd like to sort of look at maybe some of the history and, and, and bring to people's attention that Frank Darabont at one point was attached to um, creating the script for the next instalment. And, you know, there's a name that might come up a bit later. Spielberg actually loved the draft of the script that, that, um, that Frank penned originally, years before it was produced. Lucas didn't. Apparently, even M. Night Shyamalan was asked to, to contribute to, to, to a oh. script. Um, yeah, wow. And hearing all of these names, dude, from my perspective, I we had no reason to sort of anticipate that it would potentially be this bad, right? No. Um, all signs point to no on this one, dude. It Realistically, what an exciting thing. I was so very hyped. I'm not cutting you off too much. No, man. go. I just want, want to convey how hyped I was for this particular film. It was... It was enormous. It was something I actually, I actually thought was never going to happen. So when I heard it announced, it was a huge surprise to me. And Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, what could that be? Oh, I want to see that. And totally. I, was, I was chomping at the bit to jump into the cinema to see this yeah. bad boy. And the operative word there is bad. So, sorry, please continue. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. Like, that's what I was saying. Like, I haven't anticipated something more, but then just been so very disappointed. And for me, man, I'm not even joking. The the, the warning signs were from the opening scenes. It opens with this um, little gopher, like a crappy looking CGI gopher sort of CGI in, gopher. In, in a mound. And like I was like, what am I watching Caddyshack? Like the gopher in Caddyshack <laughs> looked better than this because <laughs> um, at least it was real, dude. If not a puppet, yeah. the film is odd. It is so clean, and I mean clean and brightly lit. The characters look yeah. like they've just stepped out of wardrobe. Every scene, um, there's no dirt on them. There's no grit. There's weird ADR moments all through the movie. Ah, uh, it mm. just—it's very green screeny, isn't it? Yeah, really green screeny. Like it's like, yeah. how have you managed to uh, make a movie that was released then look to my eye worse than you know the originals? <laughs> no, I'm not yeah. kidding. Yeah, um, with you. It looks no. the whole way through like it's shot in a in a studio green screen, you know, and and not done well, you know, like. Looks like the work experience yeah. guy was just running the CG machine with his like Commodore sixty four. It's like, dude, what's <laughs> what's going on? He's like, I take the tape drive a long time to load stuff. It was just horrible to watch. And I mean, you know, Ray Winston's character is just one dimensional and boring. And within two minutes of him talking, you're like, oh, you're going to double cross Indy, okay? <laughs> yeah, and Kate Blanchett, the same thing. Not that she was going to double cross, but just. Blank and one-dimensional, almost honestly. like almost like she was doing um, an an impression of like a a Bond villain or something. It was just yeah, really really awkward. Um, 
I think the, the thing for me to point out, and I feel compelled to point out, is that Harrison Ford is great in this movie. He's fantastic. Yes. Um, however, they've done they've done something, my dude. They've done something to Indy. They've made him virtually invincible. If I might digress for a moment, the thing that makes Indiana Jones so relatable and why we care and we have tense buttocks and said tense buttocks pivoting on the edge of seats is that he only he only gets out of things by the skin of his teeth. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. He's not Yeah, you're right. Well he he's not special look forces. At that scene in Raiders. No, that's right. And and my reference there is the point uh, the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where he and Marion Ravenwood have stowed themselves away on this ship and they're stuck away in this little cargo hold and he is beaten up and it's a potentially romantic moment where she's saying, Where does it hurt? And he's saying, Here, here you know, all this and here he's, it's not so bad. He's absolutely beaten up. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's just and then he falls asleep. It's just wonderful. He has had the snot beaten out of him. Oh. Like he's been hanging off cars and all this sort of stuff. But you're right. And it's illustrated like in the first couple of minutes when he survives a nuclear explosion by hiding in the fridge. That is a woeful, woeful, unrealistic and rubbish scene. And it, it you know, after the gopher, that was the second bit that happened. Oh. And all of a sudden, I'm 15 minutes in and I'm disappointed yeah. already somehow. Something is off, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. F- 10 minutes in and I'm back at the counter talking to some 15-year-old trying to get my cash back i'm sorry sir <laughs> yeah only the manager can process refunds oh you know it's, it was just like oh jesus lord and 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 yeah man uh, what a wonderful thing you mentioned that scene that wonderful scene and don't forget the joke with the mirror you know he's leaning into the mirror and marion flips the mirror poof, straight up under the chin oh, that's right you know and that's it, it's where <laughs> it's where yeah. you know it cuts that's a wide shot of the exactly. ship and you just hear him yelling and you just hear <laughs> you know and and you know the <laughs> Famous, the famous statement, you know, it's not the age, it's the mileage. You know, it's just great. It's just perfect. Um, yeah, so they've made him a superhero. Like, he is, he is, he gets out of things previously through these adventures, brother. Like, like the, you know, the fist, the old fisticuffs wrestler guy, the, you know, Billy, Billy Kiss from uh, one of the Jackie Chan American movies. Oh, the big movies. pugilist from it the first. just yeah. happens to get taken out by the propeller, you know, like... He's he's he, you know. he was not going to win that fight. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to win the fight, and he's got nothing. He's got nothing. There's nothing more he can do. Um, yeah. You think about you think about all of these, you know, all of these adventures that he goes on, you know, with Molaram and all that. Like he's he's a archaeologist. He's a he's yes, a skillful exactly. dude, but. Yeah, you know, it's not like he's, for example, I don't know, ex special forces, and now got a job as a cook on a on a on a on a boat, you know, on a just a lowly yeah. cook, you know. Um, it's, and it's <laughs> thank you, Casey Ryback. It's yeah. not him, you know. But, no, but you're right because he the way that he fights is um, and it's 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 illustrated in the way that he fights. Like yeah. he is dirty. He does what he can to win. He doesn't give a damn. He'll throw dust in your eyes and scratch your hair. Like <laughs> scratch your hair, scratch your eyes as well. You know. <laughs> Ow, yeah. my beautiful hair. <laughs> He'll shoot the swordsman. You know that famous. He's just like ah, just get out of it. You know. That's right. You That's know? the scene there, and that was improed apparently too. That yes. was just great. It's just brilliant. Love that. Right? Love that. And so now he's a yeah. Superman in this movie. If you go back and you watch what he does, he's, you know, leaping from car to car and doing all this stuff. And and so, you know, 
Arguably for me, and this is just a side reference, but he's very similar to John McClane. John McClane gets through all his stuff by the skin of his teeth. He's not particularly skilled. That's what Die Hard 5 kills that franchise for me, because by, by Die Hard 5, he's a, he's a, McClane's a Terminator, you know, so... Yeah. That was a that was you know that was a real problem for me in terms of what you said earlier, my brother. You're not serving the character, therefore you're not serving us. And the That's fridge, right. like, wh- what do you, I'm sorry? Do you take us for fools? Like, uh, even the physicality, even if you take away the nuclear explosion, <laughs> the the physicality of of what happens to that fridge. You know, it's eight foot in the air, like bow bow bow. You know. You'd be pulp in there. Your body would be pulp. So it's just, you know, and then and then Shia LaBeouf's Tarzan scene, you know, it's like, what? Oh, do, you, do you remember that? Where that is the stupidest thing. He's just going the from stupidest thing to I've vine ever seen. All the monkeys are running along yeah, with him. And the like, monkeys are swinging with him. Oh, dude. No, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. That's impressive that, upper that was, body strength and, and coordination. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, for like a 20 year old greaser, like, that's just not. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's right. really where it lost me. You know, like, oh, he does, he's got a comb. The whole I would have time thought his greasy hands would slip off the thing, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they probably should have. But that was the, the nail in the coffin for that film, dude, 100%. That's when it ceased having any foot in actual reality. Yes. Like, you know, I can, confi- I can forgive the fridge scene. As you said, he always escapes by the skin of his teeth, right? That might have been one of those moments. Yeah. That stupid stuff that happened amongst the vines, I will not forgive. And the whole scene with the, uh, you know, throwing in the, the snake as he's falling into the quicksand and all that, it's just so trite and boring, dude. You know, that's once again the Mad Magazine parody I was talking about with Terminator 3. And they're, like, and they're trying. Like, the whole point is he can't grab it until they refer to it as a rope. Um, you know, it's it's they're, they're trying. Like, I can't really... It's got some moments in it. Like, it's got some absolute moments in it. There's no doubt. Um, and all the way through, it's the shots are set up. It's 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 a Spielberg movie, you know. So I can't I can't say that it's shot poorly, um, you know. And and even Shia Le, LaBeouf is I don't even know how you pronounce that, but even Shia is I say boof. He's good in it. I mean, he's serviceable in it, but arguably he destroyed his career for a while because of the crap talk that he did publicly afterwards about the movie, about Spielberg, about George Lucas, about yeah. about Harrison Ford. Like, you know, um, it was it was just difficult to watch and I couldn't even look at it again for this discussion. Mm. It was like I started looking at bits of it and went, I can't do it. And it basically devolves into a fetch quest. With all these different scenes and all these different places. It's an interesting you know, thing, yeah. It just evolves into this yeah. fetch, fetch quest with no weight. <laughs> you know, at one point, you know, a tree, you know, Marion drives the car off the cliff and it's caught by this tree that's hanging on the side of the cliff and it, you know, nicely cushions their fall and then springs back and ac- acts as like this giant fly swat to all these other bad dudes that were oh. chasing them. It's just like... Yeah, so it's just become the Warner Brothers, and that's a coyote versus roadrunner scene. 
That's <laughs> stupid. Yeah. And it's okay when it's in that medium, but not in Indiana Jones. When you're actually reviving this character after 25 years, you serious? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And look what really didn't, um, and people really poo-pooed the sort of uh, UFO that broke out of the, it, the, the it temple. Ruined, the it ruined, it ruined, so, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but material like this just pollutes some of our alternative history beliefs, which we also hold really dear. Yeah. No, well, that's right. And what I didn't mind was that, though. You see, no, I thought, well, not that at all. could. Had it not been in this poxy piece, like very much so, it could have been really quite okay. But how we got there exactly. was so disappointing. And the brakes have really been pushed. The, the brake lines have been cut. In fact, this is careening into the damn lake, this uh, franchise. Indiana Jones, do you think it can be revived? Like, honestly, as uh, you know, like Star Wars did it, it kind of gave it a little bit. And Harrison is now incredibly old, of course. So he'd have to be in it somewhat. But who is he going to pass the mantle to if we ever try to, you know, defibrillate this um, horrible scenario of killing Indiana Jones? Well, my my problem is again um, the destination isn't the problem of so going back a little bit. Sorry to 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 the movie, really piggybacking on a comment that you made. Like the destination of this movie is again typical Spielberg going. I I want to prod at some really important ideas. He did it with Raiders, you know. He did it with Close Encounters, you know. He did it. Um, you know, he's doing it here. He's talking about either ancient aliens or a variation in our cultural history, you know, some interesting stuff, stuff you and I so love to chew over. So I applaud him for trying to do that. So his destination is my point, was 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 good. I'd love that you want to go there, but the journey that you took just cheapened everything about about it and you just can't arrive with any credibility. Um Yeah. You know, the 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 crystal skull getting pulled out of her hands and landing on that alien's body, and then it just sits up and starts talking to them. You know, and and oh, yeah. and and, That's- and puts <laughs> and instantly puts all the knowledge into Kate Blanchett's head, which makes her blow up. You know, and it's just like wow, you've just poo pooed all. You've just destroyed the credibility yeah. of all these ideas. Yeah, um, and to go on from what you were saying. You know, there is an, an, another one in the ether of pre-production, which, which, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What do you do? I'm so annoyed yeah. because the franchise was so buff and so healthy before that. Like people were even, pe- people were even worried about, you know, some people will say the last crusade wasn't, wasn't as strong as the others. I disagree. Oh, rubbish. I, I love l- that. Film. loved the last crusade. And talk the, of- the weakest one in the, the weakest is the Temple of Doom. Yeah. Like, it just is. There's yeah. something about the formula of fighting Nazis that no one – you don't sympathize with the Nazis. So when Indy sends a whole truckload of Nazis off a cliff, you don't sympathize at all. I sympathize a whole lot more with the uh, the antagonists in in um, the Temple of Doom. The because buggy cult. Were, that's right. Both the kind of brainwashed most of them, and it's not their fault. They don't half of them don't even know what they're doing. Whereas the Nazis chose one hundred percent to do what they're doing. Well, so, yeah, and it's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the second one 
if I was to posit one of Spielberg's greatest scenes in terms of direction and cinematics and the whole piece, you know, that opening scene, man, of uh, <sighs> Temple of Doom, the antidote the to the no- poison oh. you just drank is, <laughs> yes. you know, culminating, yeah, to what? you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You yeah. know, it's a musical yeah. as well. And, you know me, I hate musicals. Yeah. Um, you know, culminating in, you know, he's running behind the giant symbol and, you know. Yeah. And really finishing in, um, finishing in like uh, he kind of he's laughing. What is it, Lao Shea or something? He's Lao Shea. Yeah, yeah, he's he's sort of just going, "Ha ha, I won!" As he shuts the door on the plane. Shut the it's door, Lao Shea <laughs> on there. <laughs> I know, but you know what? That also gave us was like uh, you get to see Indiana Jones in a debonair format. He was looking suave, good. brother. He was on a quest. He and this time for his archaeological sort of findings, he actually had to hang with some very nefarious cats in high society. And you hadn't seen you he wasn't pulling his own hat underneath uh a closing door. You know, he wasn't doing any of this sort of old temple stuff. He was debonair. He and he was, was hanging with prime well. ministers and um, That's right. Look, you know, the Temple of Doom I reckon again, you and I should sit down and have have beer and products and watch it again because on a more recent watch, I was like, oh, "There's more to this." It's it's almost like it just. I agree with you completely by, about the Nazis, by the way. But you know, it's it's maybe a little bit more gnarlier. It's maybe sort of asking the teenagers to become the adults because it's it's got torture in it. You know, like it's, it's pretty horrible that voodoo scene. Yeah, it is. You know, it's pretty gnarly. And and remember, you know, thing oh Jones is tied up and he's you know effectively torturing short round. It's like, ooh, yeah. Jesus, you know. Um That's pretty messed up. And well, a man's heart gets ripped out of his chest, it does. by the way. It does. We forget that little bit that Om Namjava, Om Namjava, Om Namjava. Oh my God. I know. But, and it was the scene that really got me, though, which I did love. And it's long before the temple sort of, all this sort of, you know, escapade sort of happened with uh, voodoo and brainwashing, etc. But the banquet scene and Panquat Palace. Oh my God. When presented, ah, chilled monkey brains. <laughs> The skulls are taken off and they're eating the underside of bugs and it's just delicious. And Winnie finally gets a soup and it's full of eyes. Yeah. And the sound design in that, it's all like like when they're scooping the brains, it's a... Oh, it's like, wow. wow. That's a scene. Yeah. yeah. And, and scene. you know, like um, it's it's the bridge scene, obviously. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty magical but yeah it's definitely for mine i think it's it it went from sort of more flash gordon style serial you know um in the first one to it's nastier the second one's nastier and then the third one sort of i think shifts the tone again a little bit back to okay let's be a bit more you know teenager family orientated i agree you know it's kind of you can watch that one with the kids and and so we we're saying we're in agreement though i i do prefer the last crusade to to the Temple of Doom, um, and yeah, yeah, Denim Elliot, and does anyone speak ancient oh. Greek? You know, <laughs> ancient Phoenician. <laughs> yeah. You know, he'll blend in. You'll never <laughs> right. find him. You know, oh, Marcus got lost in his own museum. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Brody, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, <laughs> they love it. They come in through the door, Dad. It's just, it's just. You know, what what happens at eleven o'clock? <laughs> so good, so good. <laughs> it's the fun. I just love it. I really, really do. And anyway, we di- we digress. Then we go to yes, like like pick out pick out any any moments like that, like in in uh, the crystal buttocks. It's just. 
it's just terrible. So we're seeing these recurring themes. We're seeing, you know, you are just messing with a character. You're messing with the law. You're why? Like why go into this landscape uh, and do that? So yeah, exactly. I think it destroyed the franchise. I would very much doubt that they could. I, I'd be curious, and I probably would go to the cinema, <laughs> but I don't see. You how see? They, I don't see how they can you reboot. See? It. Yeah, I know. I don't see no. how they can reboot. No, I know. But look, yeah, good entry, dude. That was one that I hadn't even considered, to be honest, and I, I had a lot to say on it, it turns out. I'm very opinionated. I'm discovering <laughs> this is a year for exploration, and I'm discovering I'm opinionated when given a medium <laughs> to have such opinions. Um, I've got just a couple more to, to rattle off, not as in-depth. We're not doing deep cuts on these ones, is it? Getting closer to honourable or dishonourable mention. I agree. The cuts have um, probably been, yeah, a bit deep. We've been forensic. They've been really deep. Let's keep yeah, them superficial. Have, and I like that. <laughs> All right. So, well, we've mentioned it in probably two episodes already, but in the last episode, we discussed um, something that bothered us, which was uh, the Matrix sequels. Um, And we are talking about how franchises um, have been ground to dust into (laughs) uh, (laughs) absolute irrelevance. And the Matrix did that so quickly from its conception to the final film took, it was about three years, I think from the Matrix being the best film anyone had ever seen to being on the year 12 study list, all this, because it's actually that damn good and deep to the other two. And we haven't bothered to even, you know, explore that any further. And I know there's another one in, uh, if it's not in pre-production, it's in production now. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, uh, but that's that's also happening. But, gee, you know, that was 2003, my brother. Mm. It happens to be the one of the worst years in human history, which we call 2020. Um, and so, seven t- so it makes sense for The Matrix 4 to come out this year, right? So I sp- <laughs> Seriously, I suppose it'll be out before Christmas, so we should just really wait for that. But it's been 17 years, man, bef- between entries, and that's a long damn time between entries, and there's a good reason because – like the the third one wasn't even the the nail in the coffin for the franchise. The second one was, which faffed around. And we always know in trilogies, the second one is generally not the best. As I mentioned before, we've just been just talking about the old Temple of Doom. I think yeah. is far weaker than the other two. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back strikes all that stuff out it of the does. water because Thank clearly you. that's Thank the finest you. You my thing. Face. <laughs> no, seriously, we got to recover. But generally the ones in the middle aren't often the best. That's, as you said, like also with the new trilogy of Star Wars, The Last Jedi, in, right in the middle is the sucky one where they tried to explore or do something else and mm. didn't bother to actually write it or do anything good with it. So it was really, it really came to loggerheads in uh, Revelations. I said that slowly just so I can no, remember. you're Revelations, correct. You're correct. Not Revolutions. That was the um, third, yeah. But- but by then it was too late. And I think what happened is it became incredibly, I don't know how to say this without maybe stepping on some toes, but sure. really, really theological, Christian-y. Like Neo became Jesus. He, be, You know, by the end of the third one, he was blind and he could do stuff that no one else could do. He was the chosen one and all this. And it was just so poorly managed that I lost all care. By the end of the second one, I was done. And I came out of that going, I don't care. Half the film was a rave film, you know, set in in Zion, the underground, which was a cool concept. I didn't really mind that. But 
it just really dragged and it really bored me. So, and look, if anyone's really interested in finding out why we really don't really appreciate the uh, sequels to The Matrix, please check out episode eight. Wait, actually one, two, probably one through to 10. I think we might even discuss it in every episode, <laughs> how disappointed we are. And I think The Matrix is actually why we decided to do the mismanaged franchise episode in the first place, but have less to talk about because we've already done it. But there, that's a, that's a big one, man. And there's a lot riding on the fourth, dude. Seriously. It's a huge one for me. And, and, and it's interesting. I would actually say for mine, I think I'm a- angrier at Revolutions. I can't remember what streaming service it was on, but um, I, started, uh, I started watching it and I was able to sit through the second one. Actually, quite to my surprise, I was like, eh, eh. Um, but yeah, Revolutions, I'm probably angrier, angrier at because kind of nothing happens. At least in the second one, you get that dope. Um, car scene, car chase scene, which was filmed in Australia. Car chase the, scene. You know, that's it. Yeah. That's that's rad. But to, by the third one, it's like nothing's happening. They're just having these obscure pseudo philosophical religious discussions. It's like a lot of dialogue. It's like, and you it- suppose because it's like it's not actually set in the Matrix is the point because it's actually set in the real world, which is destroyed and bleak and kind of horrible. So they try though to to do a bunch of CG stuff with those things that those hunters that try to find their ships and stuff. And it's just meh. Like just, yeah. 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 The less said about this, the better. I agree with you. Exactly. Um, Let's just move on. (laughs) Honestly. It's in great peril. And I wouldn't think about going to a cinema for this one. Um, Cuzzy, I, I might, if it's cool, I, I, I'm at the same stage with you. I've, I've got a few to posit. Um, I'm just going to go quickly into the TV realm, if that's okay, brother. Um, yeah, please do. Probably for mine, The Walking Dead is one that's a really good example of, of a franchise, you know, uh, whether or not it's killed or dead, but it's really safe to say that it does not have the same viewership, nearly anywhere near the same viewership as it's did and i really just want to throw this idea out there for you my good friend and pod friends out there our podlings (laughs) i stayed with it for a while frank darabont is the recurring theme there you go i tend to tell stories like billy Connolly. uh frank darabont was uh writing and very influential in you know transferring this from the graphic novel to the screen and uh, you know I, i do consider that he's a pretty skillful writer um, and was sacked at some point during the second season. Um, the first two seasons, my cousin, I'm, I'm, I don't really know what your thoughts are. We haven't talked about a lot of this, but the first two seasons are pretty bloody fantastic in my book. They are. Yeah, they really are. The soundtrack's great, and the the makeup and the special effects are great, and there's a sense of, you know, real desolation the place is really ruined it really is and you're right like i honestly i stopped at about season three and a half i gave up halfway through and the only reason was and it's not necessarily because it was particularly bad but something else was a bit more interesting to me and and i was suffering from an extreme amount of zombie fatigue i agree with you like we are snobs of this genre and we we've seen the guy wake up in hospital and uh, uh, and emerge out. We've seen that done before, but yeah. arguably, 
I think The Walking Dead that that first that first episode does it the best that I've seen it done. Like it's, mm. I really liked yeah. it. Yeah, I really liked it, and a lot of a lot of continuous long shots. You know, um, anyway, the point that I guess that I'm getting to is that I stayed with it. And then I sort of felt like I had to stay with it. You know, when you've invested, it's a bit like when you come home and it's late, you know, you should go to bed and there's a movie on. And then you're like, well, I've watched most of it now. I watch, should watch it to the end. It's, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. that weird compulsion. I don't know if that yeah. happens for other humans, but it does for me. So uh, you're a completionist. You got to finish. Thank you. So I went from that transition, first two seasons of going, dude, I'm hanging. I cannot wait to download the next episode legally, of course wink wink to yeah somewhere between three season three and season five to be going and i just felt that by season five it wasn't about zombies anymore my cuz it was just about drama human drama there was there was just that's right you'd go episodes without seeing a zombie now the thing that i think really killed it because I did sort of, I did keep a sort of basic nodding as I passed in the hallway sort of a relationship with it. So I would download episodes and, you know, as I was doing the dishes or doing something else, I'd be kind of having them on, right? But I think this killed it not only, you know, for me it was dead before that, but I'm going to posit that episode seven, an episode called The Day Will Come When You Won't Be, it's the first episode of series seven, where two of the main characters, and, you know, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, well, what are you going to do? But Glenn and Abraham, I think it is, get their heads bashed, pummeled in with a spiked baseball bat. Now, you know me, cousin. I'm not a squeamish individual. But this was verging on torture porn. It was... Like, wow, I just... A passion of the Christ sort of scenario. A hundred percent. And then, you know, really, because I think, what are they up to, season 10 or 11? I don't know. But it's just really devolved into just they go somewhere, they meet someone heinous, they battle the heinous person, someone in their tr- in their, in their crew dies and they mourn very meaningfully and then they move on. Yeah. And now they've met this Negan dude. Oh, dude, there's all these scenes where, you know, uh, the crossbow dude's getting tortured and it's just, dude, I'm not squeamish, but <laughs> yeah. I, wanna, I don't want to yeah. watch that. This is, I'm a zombie guy. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I suppose that's sort of what happened to me early in the piece too, because in in it's my a, mind, it's I think a if downer. You rewatch it. It's a bummer. The whole thing. It's a human drama story the whole time. The zombies are just a you know a, a distraction for the whole thing. It's actually that's what really annoyed me about you know. So I I found it really easy to give up, dude. Yeah, I wasn't actually really yeah. worried about it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, like I'd like to keep moving on the TV themes here. And I know that Go you've right. got one and I know that we've got a really annoying one in common, but is uh, one of the biggest and most incredible TV series of all time that would, when it was airing, would stop everyone in their tracks. And for the first time in my life, this is Game of Thrones, of course. I'm of course not going to give it a oh, big wow. introduction. You just but stopped. <laughs> you were building and then you went, ah. I, yeah. Ah, oh, bugger it. I'll get on with it. I'll get on with it. And um, <laughs> This is why you're terrible seriously. at cards, by the way. I was like, I've got three aces, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was big. It was huge. I used to have Game of Thrones parties when it was just a couple of us really nerdy, awesome dudes, and I'd put on a stew, and we'd have bread and wine, and we'd sit by the fire. Would and you speak like that, and anyone who was in your home had to speak like As long as you didn't speak like Dinklage's weird... 
Oh, oh no, I he... don't know really how to do an <laughs> European accent. English accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, no, the, the thing really was um, groundbreaking. And what I liked is that I was such a fanboy, and I know that you were, and I know that many of my people were, that if you hadn't seen the latest episode, you couldn't go on the internet at all. So you had to catch up before you had it accidentally spoiled for you. Totally, on the man. That was the first time I'd experienced that because there are so many spoilers. It was almost like Endgame every week. Yeah, it really, really was. And they were, I didn't even want to see, you know, so many people just wanted anything they could get. Like even at the end of an episode where it's like, next time on Game. I don't want to see that. I don't want to know no. anything about it because no. characters die so quickly, things change so rapidly that if you even see a flash of a single character in that episode, you're like, oh, well, they're still alive. So you know that someone hasn't died. And that's that's almost even worse than knowing that someone has died because so many people drop off all the time. Oh, dude. Crazy. And then, you know, in your opinion, what was the problem? What happened? Because I'm, I'm hearing you're building. Yeah. You're still in. You're okay. still having your little Thrones parties. You're still walking around your house in sandals. and But some, yeah. I, I'm, I'm yeah. sensing a change. Okay, for those that don't know, the, uh, the, the, the TV series is actually based on a series of books. And what happened was they ran out of books. <laughs> ran out of books. They did. But kept making the show. Yeah. Anyway, you know, and so that's, that's the big one. There is nothing greater than that when you take George R.R. R. Martin's intellectual property and go, oh, God, we've got to kind of do that with all these well-established characters and all these intricate sort of relationships. We've got to continue that. How do we do that? I'm not George R. R. Martin, so you can't. It's kind of that simple. And so things sort of fell, fell apart. They get to end of season four and they ain't got no more books. I think the biggest casualty for me would be Tyrion Lannister. You know, we, we spend a whole bunch of time in the first four seasons establishing this fascinating character. He's truly one of the, you know, smartest individuals. He's he's a ch- he doesn't play checkers, bro. He's a chess grand poobah. He's that dude that's just perhaps, you know, because of his physicality and his life experience, not not only is he cunning, he's he's super smart. He's twelve moves ahead of ev- of everyone. And then you fast forward to the character that he steadily becomes once they run out of books, you know, just becomes. Uh, an average, you know, and make some moves that are even could be considered dumb. If there's an army of the dead or some sort of influence that's going to raise the dead, don't get everyone and say, let's go down into the tombs. <laughs> like that scene did yeah. not, was was really grated for me. And, and almost I was like, you know what? I may not watch any more of this. <laughs> like the dead are rising. Wow, I got that bad. <laughs> like, so you, yeah. you, the smartest dude who's nine moves above everyone says, let's run into a crypt. Sorry, let's run into a crypt. <laughs> yeah, nice. It's Yeah, okay, man. Yeah, I'm seeing exactly what you're saying. Uh, all of a sudden what happened was uh, a huge amount of glaring inconsistencies happened with these characters that we've grown to know and really enjoy. And almost to the point, what we do know about Game of Thrones as a, a book and a TV show is it's unpredictable. As soon as you're actually really liking somebody... Well, <laughs> the chances are they're not going to be with us in a couple of episodes. That's the way it goes. But they got very inconsistent, as you say, with Tyrion making some stupid decisions, whereas he is actually almost infallible because his only strength in this world of like nobility and bloodthirst, ragey strength is his cunning. 
Yeah. And when he ceases being effective at that, that's not a product necessarily of the Westeros literally turning to hell, but of poor writing. And I'm unconvinced that that's the way that he would approach things. And, right. you know, the, On the, the, money. the character that, that Khaleesi becomes, the famous last episode, it's just real, really tough, yeah. you know, and- uh, The whole thing. I posit this question to you because if you ever do rewatch, right, do you watch the whole thing or do you stop? That's what I was just thinking, in all honesty, because I, I've poo-pooed all over the last, um, the last season very much so. I was- really quite dismayed and disheartened by a lot of it, you know, and a lot of my friends whom I revere incredibly in their opinions towards this were really quite fond of it. And I don't get it. I don't F word get it, you know? And when I pose like, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. I do remember you calling them a bunch of idiots. Yeah. 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 I remember that. It was like, it was a, that was a really big day for me, you know? It really was. <laughs> but that's the thing. My thing is this. One character, I reckon, got out of that series intact, interesting, still still sort of behaving in a way that was true to their character, and that was the Hound. Yeah. I don't reckon yeah. there's any other I don't reckon there's any other character that really sort of ended up getting out of that series. Dude, by the end, Jon Snow is just a bummer. You know? The white, yeah. the white walkers yep. are coming. The white, oh, dude, shut I've just up. Got this, I've just got this look on my face all the time. You know oh, what? Come on, John Snow. I'm always really bummed out. Yeah, you know what? You're bumming me out, dude. <laughs> yeah. Go back to being dead, son. Yeah. It was a real drag, but you're right. The Hound never once abated, was consistent as hell. Had great lines. And had, he got the- Had great lines all the way through he it. He really did. But his demise- that's the one, dude. He's that the was one, bro. The culmination of all of this, and we waited for it, and we—I got what I wanted. I'm like, well, of course he has to go that way. In my opinion, like, he's incredible, the, man. He's the one character that kind of got out consistent to what I think. Yeah, maybe he might be the one that George goes, okay, that's cool. Like, I'm happy with that. Yeah. You know, Arya Stark goes goes through these waves of being like a Jedi master, and uh, just. Just, yeah, it was just- I mean, she got the Night King, man. I mean, like, everyone's seen it out there, right? Because these are major spoilers. You've had a couple of years now. You really have. Yeah. And then she just kind of runs at him. I'm like, no one saw that coming. Like, I don't know, dude. It's just- oh. But anyway, you know, it provided some wonderful moments in the first few seasons. And and maybe maybe we should just be thankful for that because some TV series don't even give us that. Um no, they don't. Because that leads me nicely. You could segue perfectly, and you might have been going to do it, but I'm going to- I don't know. I'm going to goddamn do it. I don't, there was like, I don't um, know. There was a horrible era at one point during television and Hollywood's, an, an era um, of the, the, the Writers Guild strike. And this oh, yes. was really unfortunate, man, for a lot of reasons. And th- these two I'm just going to throw out really quickly because these weren't mismanaged. They weren't misguided. They were just the subject of unfortunate circumstances. Victims these of are crowd favourites. Yeah. Victims of circumstance. Thank you. Um, absolute crowd favourites of the TV series realm is Farscape, which was mostly filmed in Australia with mostly Australian actors. And it's the most... Wonderful, compelling sci-fi romp, and all of the alien creatures are created by Henson, the Henson Studios, Jim Henson, of course, of the Muppet fame. Come on now. And they're incredible. Like, there's one character called uh, Pilot, who's the pilot of this ship, 
And it is the largest puppet, like the most ridiculous puppet. And when you've got that sort of um, amazing technical ability with these uh, this puppetry, the actors are on point because they're actually acting with something that is actually there responding to what they're saying. Oh, yeah. It's just remarkable. And so- that was one of the things, and they had to season four. It was only four seasons and a movie. Season four ended really quickly. Yeah, anyone that was into it's bummed out as hell. But almost even more tragically, because at least that got four seasons and a movie, is Firefly, which oh, got wow, man. one season and a movie. Now this is a beautiful and most wonderful universe created by Joss Whedon of Buffy and Angel fame. Mm. It's so, so good. Like, what happens at the far reaches of the galaxy when humankind has spread itself out? Well, they all kind of become like backwards, backwater, sort of renegade rogue towns. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, 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 a space western in a way. Yeah, it and is. No, it's exactly what it's, it is, it's is a, what yeah, I mean it's to say. It's a Um <laughs> exactly, but that also was subject um, or another victim of the 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 guild, the writers' guild sort of circumstance, where they all said, "Matt, we're not doing it until you pay us properly," which is also fair. Which means now we've got these amazing sprawling TV shows that are more prolific than films these days. But these two in particular, and at least Firefly got a film as well. They got uh, Serenity out of it, which was okay. It's okay, but you know, it was okay. It could have been and should have been, you know. So. They're my little ones that I just wanted to throw in there, not through their own mistakes or the writers or the or the makers' mistakes, but through the the industry's mistake of allowing writers to be mispaid. Just wonderful, my dude. That um, that series made me fall in love, and and I remain, uh, you know, er- er- erosly inclined uh, to towards Alan Tudyk. I remember just oh. thinking, who oh, is this guy? And then, of course, yeah. went back and went, oh, my God, he's in everything. He's not a main man, but he's one of the busiest uh, character actors going around. Um, yeah, yeah, he really is. Yeah, dude, that was fantastic. Look, this is probably my last one that I'm, you know, and then the rest is probably just dishonorable mentions, but I am going to have to bring up Doctor Who. Yeah, all right, man. It's becoming apparent that, yeah, the series currently is in is in bad trouble. You know, viewership is diminishing. I guess what I wanted to get out, straight out, out in front, this is not about gender. Um, there's been a whole lot of bollocks trying to pin the crimes of poor direction and poor penmanship on the fact that the Doctor is now a female. Let me say, from my perspective, this franchise died in Peter Capaldi's third season. And when I last looked, that guy's a male. Essentially, what we're now dealing with is just a character. So, I'm going to talk about Doctor Who as the character as this individual is now. It's just, there's nothing, there's nothing for the actor to work with. And and it started with Peter Capaldi phase for mine. The Doctor now swings from either being almost comically obtuse and absurd to just giving everyone the most serious bollocking of their life. There's just no character there anymore. And, you know, we could do an episode on this on on the original creators who've hemorrhaged out of this organisation now over, over time. But, yeah, I wanted to bring it up for two reasons. Number one, it's just – it's a classic example of a franchise not caring about their character anymore. But number two, don't you dare pin gender on this sort of thing. Um, it's, it's quite simply there's just 
that you can that 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 horse has been dead for a long time. You don't need to be a vet to go, wow, it's been dead for days, weeks, months, years. And that's a bummer, man, because yeah, precisely. that's a show that is dear, dear, dear to my heart. And the reboot for me, man, up until maybe the first six or seven seasons was a delight, was glorious, was comparable to the uh, to the Tom Bakers and the John Pertwees, my brother, in my opinion. Uh, it was lovely. Okay. Well, uh, look, uh, you know, if you're a fan, I I differ on that. Yeah, I I am a fan. It, I was I was raised on Doctor. No, I know you. Six o'clock, yeah. ABC. Tom Baker's face popping up with the music, doing the the portal thing. Oh my god, that meant some you know half an hour really good rollick and fun. Totes. Um, the reboot for me, um, casting of um, Eccleston. Eccleston. Yeah, dude, I hated that so very much. Wow. I watched a couple of it. I'm like, wow. They've made him into a Cockney git who's a bit aggressive and he's got a leather jacket. And I didn't like it at all. Not even a bit. And to be honest, you know, after that um, tenant was on there, he was fun, you know. And But it, the horse had already bolted, dude. Really? I watched only a couple of tenants episodes. Yeah, I was done. That was it for me. I did not like Eccleston. Oh, no, I agree. I, I would agree with Eccleston. I think that was a good thing that he left. Tenant for me, was fantastic. And Matt Smith was almost better. Um, I'm certainly not going to put – no one, no one's going to ever contend with Tom Baker. No one can. That's just genetics. He's a human being that's put together in a certain way, that's trained in, in – <laughs> seriously. Right. He's a dude that's a Shakespearean yeah. trained – hello. You know, it's just – he, he, you know, he made Little Britain even better, you know. Britain, 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 you know. That's right. Um, yeah. It's just, um, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. However, yeah, it probably, it never soared to the heights, I'll say that. I don't think it can. And maybe that's to do with our time in our life and who we were. But, yeah, the, the plot lines, I don't know, man, the Weeping Angels plot line and episodes was pretty rad. The Bad Wolf series We've got a lot of chips to eat and beers, and we'll sit down together and you know see what we can do. We'll work through some stuff, but um, yeah, where it's got to now, oh cousin, you wouldn't recognise it. It's like this is ridiculous. This is this ancient yeah. being, this powerful time lord, this dude who's the Highlander of his people. You know, has now become like a just just a really empty vessel. Yeah, which is a huge shame because the the franchise once again didn't keep up with its its original viewership. And having said that, like the span of time between that, great, we're talking about time for the old time. I see here, what you did. But you like that. But it was, um, we spent a lot of time knowing this character and doing this. And once again, seems like the, the wayward direction here that they decided to take the Doctor is to get new viewers and new viewerships and younger and younger viewerships because younger people are watching a bit more telly and all this sort of stuff. But you've taken the soul out of it and it won't maintain yeah. at this current trajectory because it's just, I'm a fan and I'm not watching it. So that's that's when a franchise is dead to me. If a fan ceases watching, then you've lost it, man. The original series, man, just to, just to answer your question, 1963 to 1989. What? Yeah. No, nineteen sixty-three to nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah, right. So, what was? Oh, yeah. God, the doctors. Hey, 
Remember the last Doctor? I can't remember his name. He was the fifth Doctor. But he was on All Creatures uh, Great and Small, and he's a real nerd. So it wasn't... Oh, that Peter, was Peter Davidson. Too. Yeah, after Tom Baker, right? Yep. Exactly. The fifth Doctor. Yeah, it's crazy. But what I like about the Doctor is there's been so many iterations of him, and it's sort of the how it works with the Doctor. He can actually be revived. He'll be like James Bond, you know, in that sort of yeah, fashion. Yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of a character. He or she, by the way, because, you know, we're in 2020 and it's the way it should be. But, yeah, I think it's great that there's a human female – well, a female Doctor. I think it just makes all sorts of sense, man. But you're right, and people can't be putting, you know, pinning gender – on, you know, the demise of the uh, the franchise. It's not how that works. Well, it's down to writing and concept. Yeah, it's that yeah, yeah. Aside, aside you know? from anything, the penmanship is terrible. But anyway, let's, um, you know, did you have one more that you wanted to cut in or should we do dishonorable bilge jumpers? Um, yeah, I suppose just the last one really quickly, really, really quickly, because it's easy to summarize and easy to tell why, is the uh, is Dan Harmon's TV series, Community, <laughs> which I just love. Wouldn't be an episode it's, without um, you mentioning no, Community. <laughs> no, and it's honestly, it's just the finest. Him cutting his teeth before he got right into where he really wanted to be, which seems to be Rick and Morty, which he's absolutely oh slaying. Oh, my God. But, um, yeah, it's Community in, uh, I can't remember if it's season three or season four. I think it's season four three where donald glover um left um the cast to sort of follow his career as childish gambino which has not been a mistake for him at all because he's so good he's so prolific and i just love the dude um but once he left the show a really critical element left and it was his brand of comedy and just his screen presence he's actually so intoxicating his as delivery on screen yeah. i'm like ah oh, this guy is just the best and when he's on screen you're watching him it's that simple did you uh did you like his lando i did very much so yeah i really did dude absolutely and thank you for reminding me yeah he makes a fantastic lando and i really sincerely hope disney works it out and says you know what actually that was pretty cool let's let's see lando again let's see another tale That's in lando. the solo yeah. saga yeah, exactly. But yeah, Donald Glover had such an enormous presence on the show that when he left, the comedic vacuum that was left was really quite brazen. And at the same time, they actually lost Chevy Chase through lots of other reasons too. And then just the dynamic of the show changed. The other characters, you know, just weren't strong enough to carry it without those two, in my opinion. So that's where Community sort of ended. And we've got six seasons now, and there's always promised six seasons in a movie. So we're waiting to see. Hopefully they get Troy Barnes, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, the same guy, back. So we'll see how that works. Anyway, that's my final entry there, my brother. What do you got? Are you spent? I believe I am, and so I oh. would I would go to well. Look, I'm probably deliberately just being quite brief with with a couple of these, and I think it's best for everyone. Um, so I'm gonna. Do you want to just go swap one for one for the for the dishonorable bilge bucket jumpers? I've done deep cuts on all my dishonorable, so you fire at me, and I'll react briefly, and yeah. that's how we'll roll. Let's make a reaction video. G man reacts to. Uh, Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. I just spewed in my mouth. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Enough that's said. all I got. Enough yeah. said. Yeah. No, that's See? I told you. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I had Star Trek Nemesis. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That really put a hold in the- um, Yeah. It was such a shame too. Eric Banner was in that, wasn't he? No. No. That was Tom Hardy. Oh, my God. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That was actually- um, 
Oh, what a disappointing adventure. It, it dented it dented my relationship with Tom Hardy for quite a while. I, I, it, it, uh, as unreasonable as that uh, ideation was. Yeah, <laughs> it's seriously. pretty infallible generally, but yeah, okay. I'm that was it. That was that, a, that was a tough. There was a lot of movies in the in the hemisphere of entertainment. Big big releases that were coming out then and it was just tough for people to put their attention on bald Shakespearean actors, you know? Yeah, yeah, feeling it. So, yeah, that, that that's another one. Um, Dude, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, well, yep, that solved the uh, problem of ever making any Mortal Kombat films ever again, didn't it? It's like, well, no, we won't. Tick, done. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's almost like it had its job description in the title. That's right, dude. This is called. We're going to call this film Genre Crusher. Yeah, <laughs> you know, totally franchise destroyer. Yeah, completely. Apparently, they've actually uh, they're in uh, post production. They've actually filmed uh, a new Mortal Kombat adventure in Adelaide, and that was this year. So we'll see what that is. What is that? Should be very interesting. Saturday night down the pub or something. Like just got I the webcams so. at the local. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, he's very unhappy. He's lost his tickets to the dish lickers. Um, <laughs> all right. What else have I got here? Uh, this is an older one, but I think you'll re- recall this. Hopefully you don't. Uh, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Uh, yeah. Superman was on a bit of a rumble, wasn't it? Like Christopher Reeves was really, um, really onto it all, really, wasn't he? And then something happened. Things started sucking. I mean, that, um, that was... That was the last of the Christopher Reeve uh, Supermans. Obviously, some things happened in his life uh, later on that made it uh, impossible for him to reprise the role. But uh, yeah, that was an, uh, that movie is it's actually held up as one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's um, that's another program. Let me write that up. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, you're absolutely right, dude. It's um, no, no. Quite honestly, like you, you, you. Google worst films ever made, or look at some discussions in film schools, and it's it's up there. It's it's an abomination, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I I can't you know ham fisted. Uh, such a shame because you know for mine, Christopher Reeve bought um, such such poise. I mean, he was Superman. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, for, exactly. Uh, for a guy like me, I've never really been into Superman. He's kind of boring. It's like oh, you can't hurt him. Yeah. Um, but you know he bought he bought an incredible uh, presence to that role. Yeah. Um, and the other one for me, speaking of superheroes, <sighs> Spider Man Three. It, it's fair to say that this destroyed the Tobey Maguire era. Yeah, the Sa- Sam Raimi era too, which is really unfortunate. And that and was. Um, I put mm-hmm. that down to uh, probably two things. Obviously, it's got the famous. Um, you know, the famous uh, Toby Maguire dancing scene. Oh, um, I can't remember the name of the actor who was playing Venom, but I just, I didn't buy his performance. Topher Grace. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Not a, I'm not a Topher Grace yeah. guy. That's just me. Mm. You know, keep your Topher Grace in the cupboard. You know, I don't want it. I'm, I'm trying to be on a tofu, you know, <laughs> free diet. Yeah, dude, I couldn't stand his role. And also just they shoehorned in too many villains. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on and, whether or not that was Sony just going, let's let's try to get ready for a whole bunch of uh, uh, further instalments, but dude, that movie sucked. Well, in a way, I'm, I'm I'm happy that it did because what that led to was um, a couple of other poxy films, unfortunately, with starring Andrew Garfield. But then our very own, I'm claiming him for some reason, Tom Holland. 
was able to do this amazing role. Because the franchise had failed in so many ways, it meant that Tom Holland's Spider-Man was possible and that Spider-Man could be included in the Avengers, uh, you know, saga, thankfully. So, yeah, it sucked. Megaballs. It was not okay. Cinematic Darwinism. I mean, I, I, I would don't think any would argue, anyone could argue who's a fan of the man uh, uh, who's the arachnid is that Tom Holland is the best Best iteration of Spider-Man we've ever had. Easily. Um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, did we have to sit through, t- you know, two no. two Garfields and uh, and one awful Maguire? Because, I mean, I didn't hate I didn't hate the first two. I didn't. No. I, look, the first one in particular was pretty damn great. Absolutely. A lot to do with Willem Dafoe. He was just fantastic as the Green Goblin. But, yeah, I know. Um, the sordid history of Spider-Man. Although he does have one of the most trope moments in cinema. He literally, we're not so different, you and I. You and I. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, it is a comic book film. They no, invented know, tropes. I, know, I mean, I, know, I get it. I know. Yeah, and no, I'm totally with you. All right, That's my cousin. Well, we have dissected that. We, 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 we've been forensic. Uh, you know, we've been brief. We've gone through all all the gambit, my friend, um, and I think we've just, we've unlocked some recurring themes. It's it's essentially look after your characters, and you know, in doing so, look after us. Be respectful right. of the law. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to sound like Robocop or anything, but you know, just look after the law. <laughs> Um, yeah. and you know, try to, try to have some, try to have some ideas and I guess perhaps meditate on the fact that, you know, some stories, you know, might just, might just be done, might not have much more to pull out of them. And respect them enough not to make a cash cow out of them because you, you ma, you just sort of ma all of the backlog if you're not really careful enough, you know. So, yeah, 100% with you, man. Treat us with respect and we will respect you in return. It seems really simple, yeah. <laughs> you know. I wrote that down. It sounds good on paper, but, you know, it's all about putting things into action, isn't oh, it? I love it, my bro. Yeah. Thank you very much, my little man, Charlie and candidates. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you and I hope wherever you are, you're doing your absolute best and you're happy. That's all that I wish. So thanks again, P-Boss, as well. This has been an absolute thrill. Um, And we'll catch you all again next time. Absolutely. Peace out, dudes.